Driving that coach. 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 And welcome to another edition of Driving That Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm AJ. Please mind the uh, noise in the background. We got a salivating, congested dog. Hey, he's around. a Frenchie. I don't give a damn, dude. <laughs> it's just breathing. He's just breathing. Sounds like two really old people having sex all the time. How do you know what old people having sex sounds like? Don't ask me how I know that. I just know. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm not one to judge your personal decisions, but... Either way... Pretty bad, but uh, the audience might judge you. Yeah, uh, actually, folks, this is kind of counts as a sort of Halloween show. We were not able to get together uh, Halloween because of uh, different uh, obligations that both of us had. Yeah. Uh, but we're gonna go ahead and make that up to you because today we're gonna be doing a double reaction, du- a, double watch along, double re- watch along, double long reaction, whatever. For either way, uh, we're gonna be doing a double for you. And like I said, one of the the first one we're actually we're going to be doing, we're actually going to be before going a couple of our regular segments like Eddie and Gary Busey and things like that. But for this nature. week only. For this only week for this only. week. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and do our double watch along. The first uh, little segment that we're going to do is only 14, 15 minutes long. But it's a classic. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Yeah, so I might as well knock it out now because it's Halloween. Michael Jackson's Thriller. So we're going to be watching that uh, right now. So if you get to YouTube or anything of that sort, which is free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go ahead and watch along with us right now, and we'll give you some. Just like we always do, we're gonna give you fat toys, and we're just gonna enjoy the goddamn video. Yep, we got it queued up right now. So it currently says on screen Michael Jackson's quotes: "Due to this, due to my strong personal convictions, I wish to stress that this film in no way endorses a belief in the occult." Which is actually written by John Landis, the yep. director, uh, basically because of the fact that Michael started to get some backlash from the uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, who what Michael that was actually was a part of at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they got some backlash thinking that he had a belief in the occult and all the good stuff. So John Lennon threw this together and just put Michael Jackson's name on it and boom. Yep. So there we go. But right. but the disclaimer itself. Is, oh, actually, you know what? You want to just push play and we'll go. Just push play and go. All right. Three, two, two one, go. Yeah. So while I was while I was gonna say is uh, the disclaimer actually kind of gave it sort of the the video sort of a mystique because the fact that. No video, much music videos ever had a disclaimer before. Never. Now we get to open here on Michael Jackson's Thriller, which was actually done by the Chiado Brothers. Oh, really? Uh, who uh, for, the, most, for the opening credits? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they uh, they actually did that, and uh, their most famous contribution to film, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which is fantastic. Watch it now. I think it's on either Netflix or Amazon. It is on free. Netflix. It, it is on Netflix. Don't watch it. I was being facetious. Yeah, I don't do clowns. Unless unless you've been drinking. Maybe yeah. you can watch it. But now we have a shot here of uh, Michael and his girl, uh, played by Ola Ray. In that uh, beautiful, beautiful 1950s. Was that Chevy, right? Yeah, 19, yeah Chevy it Camaro. looks like a Chevy. Honestly, we're out of gas. <laughs> Dope-ass Letterman's jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they're actually filming this in Griffith Park out here in L.A., this segment anyway. Uh, now they're walking along here with the, you know, the poodle skirt and uh, it's, it's yeah, a straight up nineteen fifties everything. Yeah, and this particular segment, of course, was inspired by uh, the film and "I Was a Teenage Werewolf," starring another Michael, Michael Landon. Yep. So and then the whole thing with the Letterman jacket—that's what really popularized that look 
in pop culture because you see a lot of things with like you see a werewolf in a letterman's jacket. Yep. Uh, uh, a lot of people say thriller started, but really it was actually uh, I was a teenage, teenage girl. Yeah. The nice ass name. I want you to be my girl. And uh, Ola Ray here, uh, former play uh, Playboy for I believe she was like uh, Miss something 1981. Uh, funny enough, she was actually dating Jim Brown at the time. <laughs> But yeah, I don't think yeah. I don't think Mike wants to go up against Jim. Yeah. Oh yeah, and this uh, his line here. I have something I want to tell you. I'm not like other guys. And when John Landis told him, was like, dude, this is supposed to be funny. Yeah. It's a funny line. But he's not he's not playing it funny at all. No, he's not. Yeah, different. <laughs> what are you talking about? Which I think with all the time that's passed. Oh yeah. Oh, actually, right, hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead. One thing I want to know about the music here. The music actually is done by Elmer Bernstein. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and I looked this up. I only found this out this last week, but you know, yellow eyes. Ah, get away! <laughs> nah, now we get our first shot of the fantastic makeup done by Rick Baker. Mm-hmm. The process, um, the change. Yeah. Okay, now like I was, like I was saying, the music here uh, that basically is used throughout this uh, whole segment, more or less, is uh, actually unused music from an American world from London. Well, I mean, again, it makes no. sense. Landis has it. Specifically, this is actually uh, the the music that's supposed to be over the transformation. Oh well, I, I mean, at least he finally got to use it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is actually supposed to be over the transformation in American Werewolf in London, where David Don becomes a werewolf, and now we get a full shot of a full on were creature. Actually, it's a were cat. Right. Contrary to popular belief, a little, little more, a little more feline than than yeah. wolf. Because sure. uh, they did that mainly because of Michael's features. Yeah. Uh, so it's something different as opposed to just a, another werewolf. Uh, but yeah, such a great looking creature. And actually, if you go to Rick Baker's Instagram page, he actually redid this recently as like, yeah. a, like a model. It's really cool. Yeah, and if you're not following it, what is wrong with you? Yeah, Definitely it, follow it, is, it. It is great. It's one of the best pages on Instagram. It is great. But look at this. Yeah, like, it's I a love, great run. Yeah. I, I was going to say when he... When he said that line, I'm not like other guys, that yeah. kind of took on a different connotation. That's exactly. exactly. That's, that, 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 that's, the whole, that's the whole point. Like, you know, we're in the movie theater. You can see like a couple different people. Yeah. Like, if you look, the, the big guy ahead of them is actually Michael's bodyguard. It's oh, Marlon yeah. Brando's son. <laughs> and then if you look behind them in the movie, like, of course, this is the famous meme with Michael Jackson eating popcorn that yeah. everybody loves now. A lot of people don't even know where, where this shit from. Yeah, yeah. They just, all they know is Michael Jackson eating popcorn. Well, it's because it's such yeah, a such yeah. a quick shift. And the old guy behind him, you see a gray suit with a yellow lapel like that? Yeah, yeah. With the glasses? Yeah. That's Forrest Ackerman, the dude that founded, uh, <laughs> what's that shit, uh, Monsters Magazine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fangoria and all that shit. Yeah, that's yep. that guy. Thriller starring Vincent Price. <laughs> <laughs> now we get our first strain of the actual Thriller song. This is actually in downtown LA. I actually took a picture mm-hmm. By this theater, man. It's so, yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. just around the corner. Yeah, and I was looking, I was because I, I was actually filming a music video down there. Funny enough, and I was like, this looks familiar. I'm like, oh shit, this is the theater. And you see all the posters in the back, House of Wax, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all these all these old old uh, great mm-hmm. um, killer horror films from the nineteen sixties. Yeah, actually, one of them uh, is John Landis's movie Schlock. Oh yeah, and, that's right. I forgot Schlock was in there. Yeah, Schlock is in there. Yeah, and now uh, Michael's like walking around with this girl. You know. Uh, he's, dancing all, he's dancing along. He's dancing along. He's not even walking. He's dancing along with yeah. this girl. But in time, time he's doing the chorus of Thriller. Yeah. Yeah. And this, actually, this whole segment here where they're like uh, walking along and shit, like, this, and, and the whole like uh, corner that we're going to see a little bit later, that's in Vernon, California. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Which, I mean, I don't know how familiar most of you folks are. It's a little more of an industrial area, but obviously it looks great for, for backdrop. Yeah, and then the the, the, da- the zombie dancing scene is right by the fucking meatpacking plant. Yep. And it stinks over there. Yeah, a bit. I can only imagine what I was like doing this at night. Dep- like, well, depending when the wind shifts. <laughs> oh my God. Dude. Yeah. Food, po- food processing plants smell the worst. Yeah, and it's also uh, while we're sitting there watching Michael do his goddamn thing. Uh, there's been a lot of great uh, like books and uh, documentaries about the making the thriller. Recently, uh, one came out like I think just a couple years ago, and it shows like behind the scenes photos of different people that came by the set uh, while they was shooting the shit. It was like a who's who. It was a, it was the hangout. Marlon Brando. Yep. Rock Hudson came by. Yep. Fucking Lillian Disney. <laughs> you got a call from that uh, Walt Disney's widow called Michael Jackson on the set of this. And uh, Quincy Jones actually did a special on television around the same time. It shows him going to the set. Which and, you'd expect because, I mean, the man is yeah. the music business. Yeah, and, this, and he produced the song here. Yeah. With Michael. And uh, they're walking along, looking cute. She, the girl is great, too. There was, uh, a, there was a guy that uh, was teaching a class at USC. I can't remember his name. But he mm-hmm. contributed, and I don't know what line it was, but one line. Just one line to the song. Oh. And he took back end. Mm-hmm. He's never had to work since. Yeah, of course not. Like, this is, this <laughs> one is, line. So I don't even know what the line was in yeah. it. This is the Halloween. This is the Halloween song. Yeah. Well, and as far as like, I think this, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm wrong here. You can correct me, but I think this is the first song that had a choreographed dance went along with it that was a viral sensation worldwide. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the Thriller dance, and everybody's tried to do it at least once. Yeah. I've I used got, to have the whole thing memorized. I, do, I still do. <laughs> I know the reason I say yeah. I used to is because uh, I haven't tried it in a while. Yeah. Okay, this this part here. like You see the zombie coming out of the crypt here. Mm-hmm. And he's coming out with the sunken eyes and the bloody mouth and shit. That's Rick Baker. Yep. The dude that did the makeup for this. First, first one coming out of the tomb. Yeah. yeah. And then look, look at all these... Oh man, this is so great! I love that Landis made sure that this was a SAG production, so they can get yeah. like proper time and all of this stuff. Well, what was great too with this whole thing, in particular, again for being like the quintessential like Halloween music video. Yeah, they blended a couple of genres. Yes, they did. Because you got the zombies, you had the kind of werewolf cat thing going on earlier. Yeah, yeah. like the changeling, and then hit it with the dance. Yep. Yeah. But y'all look uh, like all these zombies here. Like, do we fight? And why does this happen? Uh, Vince Price's rap is going on. I love this yeah. one with the arm falls off. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty killer. And uh, I love, and now the uh, werewolves themselves are, I'm sorry, these zombies, I'm sorry. Are surrounding uh, them. Are surrounding them. I mean, you got all the different like hor- horrific faces, which is like. It's just Rick Baker showing off at this point. It's actually more of John Landis showing off at this point. Cause you think like, so? all, all the different shots of all the different werewolf faces and stuff. Definitely John Landis' style, like yeah, the dude, yeah. the blood Well, but stuff. I just mean in terms of the actual special effects makeup. Oh yeah, like, that's is, heavy, heavy. And, f- Baker. and the funny thing about it is, this is like he had a very short amount of time to do this shit too. A lot of a lot of the masks here, are like fright masks he created. Of course, yeah. Now Michael is a now Michael switch. I think I think the one that took the most time was Michael. Robert. Well, I mean, you want to spend the most time with Michael because he's he's yeah. the center of every dun, shot. Dun, dun, dun. I like how his how not only did he become a zombie, but his clothes suddenly zombified. <laughs> Uh, and it works. Yeah, it works very well. And uh, the dance itself was choreographed by Michael and uh, Michael Peters. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. Michael was like, when it comes to dance, yeah. I mean, that's half of what he was known yeah. for. It wasn't just his musical yeah. abilities. Yeah, and okay, all, the the different moves, all the different moves <laughs> here, yeah. So, Michael Peters, for those of you who are not aware, if you ever seen the Beat It video, uh, yeah. the one gang leader in all white uh, looks kind of black or Hispanic with the glasses on. That's Michael Peters. Yep. And uh, yeah, he also choreographed that video too, beat it. 
You know, one uh, thing I gotta say too, because you gotta think about what was this, 83, 84 when they made this? What, what we 83 when they made it, 84 when they released So, just from a filmmaking standpoint, mm-hmm. it's so hard to shoot at night. Low light is uh, one of the roughest things to shoot, and they did such a killer uh, job on uh, this. Uh, and then, of course, like uh, at the time when they were making this video, Thriller's already the biggest seller album of all time. Yeah. This just made it go through the stratosphere. This, this is thriller. Yeah, now Michael's Michael again. Yeah. No explanation needed or given. Yeah, that's why, <laughs> why he stopped being a zombie suddenly. Yeah, because he got to be Michael Jackson for the chorus. But yeah, he's killing it. What the fuck? And the dude, the spins. Do the spins on concrete, dude. Killing it. And all the yeah, other zombies. He's, he's, yeah. probably, he's probably got some sort of a, a patented shoe going on. Because that's one of the things, yeah. like, if you really dig into Michael and his career. Yeah. He had what, like four or five different pads, like to be able to, like he had those special shoes that could hook on those slots on yeah, stage, that's, so he could do the crazy lean. I was that's the main one. That I know like of. he, he, I'm sure he must have had a couple other patents going on in terms of the things he used for his dances. Yeah, yeah, killing it here and now to get the hand gesture from Thriller. Every, yeah. That was the only thing that everybody knows. Every, everybody knows the claws, the, the claws, hand yeah, thing, claw hands. Yeah, and yeah, killer. Ow! Now this here. And this is actually this is actually fantastic film craft when you look at it because yeah. the only person you can pick out readily is Michael. Exactly. With the red. Yeah. Everybody else is basically in some different kind of level of grayscale. And the uh, red jacket and the red outfit yeah. uh, designed by John Landis's wife, Deborah Nadulman Landis, who yeah. also created the Indiana Jones outfit. Yep. So. Which again, another iconic look. Yeah, exactly. And then now they're in the house. And now the actual outside of the house is uh, in uh, Echo Park, I believe. At the inside could very well be Echo Park. I used to live there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, all, depending on where you go, it can get pretty rough pretty quick. I've only been there for music videos. And uh, that was, yeah. Yeah, when I lived best. there, that was before we met. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Michael busting through the wall. Yeah, so all this is the same track from the... All this is like the same track of the Metamorphosis. That's the actual name of the track is Metamorphosis. Well, yeah. as as he was breaking yeah. through right there, though, that was a very uh, here's Johnny moment. Very much so. But yeah, all this is meant to be. This is meant to be the music for the transformation of American world. And boom! Ah, what's the problem? <laughs> Come on, I'll take you home. <laughs> Picks her up, and then she's suddenly like, "Oh yeah, yeah. all that weird stuff but that way, just happened. Let's let it go." And then the great reveal back. It's Cat not, eyes and the laugh. It's not over. It's not over. Nope. Something bad waiting for you. <laughs> Directed by John Landis. You know, now that yeah. I, the more I think about it, yeah. even though it's it's a music video, it went in as a short film. Mm-hmm. Probably the most watched short film in the history yes. of short films. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. might be able to argue about some of the early Disney shorts, mm-hmm. but this is probably it. We're looking at the, uh, the count for it before we started this. Yeah. And 700 million views of Thriller. So yeah, yeah, definitely the most watched short film ever, ever made. And also talk about uh, it's, it's it's historical significance. Uh, the only uh, music video in the uh, Library of Congress is a film registry. Yeah, to preserve be preserved for all time. So kudos to Michael Jackson's Thriller. And like like I said, one one of the main reasons that it was created in the first place is because John Landis wanted to. Re, uh, more or less exploit Michael's fame for the ability to do like a to bring back the motion picture short really yeah uh, well and look for this one particular one it did I don't think you can argue that it brought back the genre 
because short of like, I mean, basically like animated shorts with Disney, and then later on, you know, kind of get there with like Nickelodeon, really Pixar, probably yeah. the only one did it. Yeah. It didn't really bring the whole thing back. Anything close yeah. to short films was really serials yeah. and television. And stories. I love this disclaimer thing here. Like, any similarity yeah. to a person's living dead or undead is purely coincidental, <laughs> which is also at the end yeah. of American Werewolf from London. Yeah, yeah. well, because yeah. you never know. Maybe, op- maybe somebody yeah. else had this happen to him. And Optimum Productions, Michael's production company. Yeah. Yeah. I love this last little scare. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> With the nasty looking dude. He is pretty nasty looking. And, and you know the fucking thing about it, the, the that one looks kinda like the penguin. Yeah. From, uh, yeah, a little from, bit. Uh, Blues Brothers. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, that was thriller folks. But like I said, we love that video and like I said, it's just it's essential Halloween viewing. Uh, I had to watch it every year. I watch it actually every few months. Uh, just when I have to move because it's just such a damn good video yeah, well that's the thing though I mean a lot of the stuff we watch and we talk about mm-hmm. it's multiple viewings for us because it's just that good mm-hmm. and like and I said we're usually, not going to talk about it if it's not that good exactly and usually I have notes for most of the things I do but that one I do off of sheer memory man oh for sure because I've just seen so many things with goddamn uh, Thriller uh, it's just such a fascinating subject and, like looking at the behind the scenes stuff yeah, and I, uh, well, I mean, this yeah. book, like you said, there's books on it. I mean, this yeah. of, of all, it's probably the most important short film yeah. that's ever been made. Exactly, especially in modern audiences. My, yeah, my thing is this: uh, John Landis himself actually has said in videos and in different interviews that his most starstruck moment actually happened on the set of Thriller. And was that for? Uh, no, what happened was uh, apparently at like two o'clock in the morning, um, John was called to Michael Jackson's Winnebago in Los Angeles. He's like, okay, I'll come go. I'll come over there and see Michael. Michael, he goes into the Winnebago, steps in there, and as soon as he steps in, Michael's like, John, do you know Mrs. Onassis? Oh, that's right, I forgot. And there okay, standing there is Jackie Kennedy, Jack, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, and apparently she told him, I love the way those people talk in training places, <laughs> and that was like the biggest compliment. He felt that was the biggest compliment he ever got. Like, oh. dude, that well, look when you get something like that from somebody that you're just like. Oh, like seriously, yeah. the, oh, I to, I've told you before. Yeah. The greatest compliment I've had to this point in my career, mm-hmm. um, I was shooting behind the scenes for a movie. I'm not gonna say which movie it was, but because um, there's a lot of interesting shit we talk about from time to time about right. it. But I got done interviewing Cloris Leachman. Yeah. Cloris Leachman. If you don't know, I'm very disappointing you in the audience. Look her up. Freaking hilarious oh, yeah. comedy queen. Like yeah. there's no question of it. And so anyway, she's walking out of the trailer, and she says to the PA. Can you believe this little shit? This was the best thing I've ever had. It was so easy. Came in, everything was ready. I sat down, I did my interview, I got to leave, and da 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 da. When I heard that she called me a little shit, it was literally the best thing <laughs> that's ever happened to me in my film career. I was like, oh my god, that is such a high honor to have Cloris Leachman even think about you, let alone say something nice like that. You little shit. <laughs> well, then, dude, the funniest but, uh, part was in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, the funniest thing is as she's leaving. She's in her car. I think her her daughter, if I remember right, kind of works with her, helps her as an assistant, stuff like that. She's she's a lot older. Right. Uh, but as she's leaving, she's sitting in the front seat of her car, and she's she's waving to everyone. But as she's waving to everyone, she's leaving. She's flipping us all off. <laughs> she's sound, pulling that's, out. That sounds about right. Oh, Cloris Leachman, one of my all time favorite people I've ever gotten to be around, yet let alone work with, like Oscar and Emmy winner. Dude, the Cloris woman Leachman. the woman is an absolute tour de force. Yes, right. Cloris Leachman. 
We, it's too bad we couldn't find something for her in, in, in docs or something. That'd be great. Oh. Not that not that I have an access to her. I just got to I was shooting behind the scenes, so I got to interview her. That's about it. Yeah, like I don't think although she if we could. She would she would have been shoehorned in. I don't know where we would Yeah, it would have been a weird one. Yeah. But I would, yeah, I would love for something for course Leishman. She she could be uh, she could be in Germany selling absinthe to some crazy old German lady. Is that Cloris Leishman? <laughs> Maybe. <Yeah. laughs> hey, does that sound bad? I, I don't have a connect to her, but if it works out, man, crazy, we'll, keep, a, we'll keep it on the list. A crazy old lady selling absinthe. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> I don't know if we can afford her, but it'd be awesome. That'd be dope. Uh, but all right, so we got that out the way, folks. Let's go ahead and get into our uh, really the only segment we're gonna be doing today, other than the other watch along. Dropping that news, we got some heavy news this week. Yes, we do, unfortunately. And this is big because of the fact of how big fans we are of this particular person, the late Sean Connery. Sean mm-hmm. Connery has passed away at the age of uh, 90 or 91, I believe. I think it was just short of his 91st birthday, just yeah, 90 years old. So, yeah, the first film, James Bond, Mr. Sean Connery, has finally passed away. Yeah. Uh, he's been retired for, like, shit, like, damn near, what, 20 years almost? Seems I don't like know. It. I mean, he still kept acting late into his 70s. I think sure. the last major film he did was that uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He just yeah. said the hell with it. Well, I mean, at a certain point, it's not worth it. He had so much money. The, the only point to do is if he found a project he liked. But. Exactly. But, you know what I'm Mr. Sean Connery is, the, in many people's eyes, the ultimate James Bond. And also yes, the sir. one that pretty much set the standard for all the successful James Bonds to come. Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, uh, George Lazenby, uh, Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig have all stated in interviews that Sean was the... Beacon in which they actually, you know, that, that's the one they had to look for. That's the, I mean, like you said, the, he was the bar. Yeah, he was the one they always uh, compared themselves to. Not all the other ones. Sean. Yeah. It's always Sean. And then, like, if you ask many of the other Bond uh, actors what their favorite Bond movie is, it's usually from Russia with Love with Sean Connery. Yeah, it's definitely always a Sean Connery. Yeah, that's definitely. For sure. Yeah, like for sometimes, example. sometimes a little bit of diamonds are forever, but and then the one, uh, the one movie that Pierce Brosnan says actually got him into acting in the first place is Goldfinger, also yeah, Sean Connery. Sense. Great, great, great film. Yeah. So yeah, Timothy Dalton says uh, from Russia with Love. Daniel Craig said from Russia with Love. Uh, Pierce Brosnan said Goldfinger. Um, freaking! Uh, Did uh, anybody say Goldeneye? <laughs> no, 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 no. I would have said Goldeneye, but I would say Goldeneye for him. For Pierce I, Brosnan. I, I like, I like Goldeneye. Yeah, I like for Pierce Brosnan. Yes, yeah. I like. Tomorrow Goldeneye. Never Dies is definitely not. Yeah, and also my personal favorite of Sean Connery again. It's also from Russia with Love because it's just a really it's good, a great movie. Film. a really great movie, and it's like it's that great divide between. Early James Bond and what James Bond would eventually become, because yeah. like after that with Goldfinger, it starts to become uh, gadget centric, and yeah. you know what I'm saying they start. Well, and, and that's why that's why yeah. I kind of like we've ha- talked about this before. We won't go too deep into it, but yeah. um, you know, part of my problem with a lot of the Brosnan and stuff is it was getting too comic booky, too heavily on the gadgets. Yeah, it was it was seriously like just a stone's throw away from Batman and Robin. Yeah, versus when you had Daniel Craig come back in for the reboot. Mm-hmm. It was minimal suspension of disbelief. I mean, the craziest thing in that entire film you really got to deal with is the parkour, really. Yeah. Yeah, Which yeah. you watch it happen in camera. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't wasn't hard to, to get there at all. Oh, yeah. Also, for you fans that to know, since we talked about From Rush With Love was Sean Connery, yeah. freaking the uh, scene in which uh, Bond and uh, 
Tatania or whatever, Tatania or whatever, the female meet the Russian chick. Yeah, when they meet, that scene is the test scene for all successful James Bond actors. It's always that scene. You know, like, cause of it, it there's was so, so much subtext to it exactly it's a, it's a great wow. scene it's a nuanced scene it's really hard to, to, to carry mm-hmm. and again especially because there's so much of that man and mystery aspect that's going on. it's not just it's not just Jason Bourne go blow stuff up yeah exactly so but yeah it's it's uh, it's definitely a great loss yeah. uh, to the film world and, and then kind we, of a bummer and we're talking about specifically Bond so far but there's also other stuff that he done of course like my favorite non-Bond movie that he did was actually Entrapment yeah See for me, it's Hunt for Red October. Yeah, even though even though my biggest my only my only real criticism in that whole film mm-hmm. is that none of the Russian crew ever speak Russian in the film. I actually would have preferred if it was Russian with subtitling. I know it's a little weird; most people don't like the subtitling. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and yes, Entrapment is is a killer film. Yes, it is, man. I love. Do you, do you remember the uh, Mad TV sketch they're making fun of it? Yes, I do. He's got he's got what's his name playing Sean Connery. And he goes, I just want to say before we start this scene. <laughs> I'm sorry if I get a boner. <laughs> I'm sorry if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And also, um, but he, yeah, he did so many other great things. Of course, he won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for yes. The Untouchables, Brian De Palma. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, and that was, that was another great film. Actually, I'm trying to decide that might actually edge out Hunt for Red October the more I think about it. I've watched that so many times. The Untouchables? Yeah, it's a great film. Enthusiasm. <laughs> not, not necessarily historically accurate, but still a great film. You'll get nothing. <laughs> the baseball bat. Yeah. yeah. And the, the scene where the fucking where they come down the stairs has been parodied so many fucking over times. Over and over and over again. So many fucking times. Uh, but yeah, like I said, a great movie. And then uh, what's trying to think of? The Rock? Yeah. Oh yeah. Shit. Man. Yeah. The The Rock. That's another killer one. Yeah. The Rock. Probably Michael Bay's best. I think. Yeah, I agree too. Uh, even though it's basically Die Hard, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's Die Hard in a you know in a prison. Die Hard in a prison, basically. Uh, I'm trying to think of the great. Oh uh, yeah. And then like in terms of like well going Bond a little bit again, but like I think Never Say Never Again is a highly underrated movie. Dude, there's not there's honestly not a Connery Bond that I can say anything bad about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I can. I'm not that fond of Diamonds Are Forever. I'll, I'll be honest with you, because it just that's heresy. But that's fine. We'll let it go. I know. I know for many <laughs> reasons for you why that I, that's bad for me to say. But hey, personally speaking, I think that's the one where he really phones it in, and he looks pretty bad in that movie. Yeah, you're entitled to be wrong. It's he actually, fine. He actually, America. He actually looks younger <laughs> in Never Say Never Again than he does in Diamonds Are Forever. And that was made like what ten plus years later. You know, I mean, look, there's there's things that you can do when you get a toupee, and I mean, okay. the technology's progressed. We're going too far, today. Okay. <laughs> but like I said, great loss to the entertainment Absolutely. industry. Uh, rest in peace, Sean Connery. For sure. Yeah. Also, uh, talking about ends here, um, Anderson Silva, mm-hmm. the great Anderson Silva, who has been purported by many times by the UFC pundits as the greatest UFC fighter of all time. Has officially retired. Yeah, uh, just had a fight this past weekend with Uriah Hall. Got beat in a knockout. Yeah, pretty rough. Pretty rough. Yeah, he's actually uh, the last few fights he's had like have been kind of like that. And I think uh, I actually think he should have retired a, a little while ago. But that's just yeah. me personally. But I've always been a fan of the Spider Anderson Silva, who apparently lives out here somewhere. I think like Manhattan Beach or something along those lines. Okay. They, like, I mean, a lot, lot of those guys end up out here for sure. Yeah. It's good weather. Exactly. Good weather. Good weather. And plus, this is a big fight-heavy like you know area. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of UFC gyms. And, and there, is, there is good leather for people that are into that. 
Exactly. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Uh, but like I said, he left behind a prolific career. He was dominant in his particular weight class for years. Yeah. Uh, Untouchable. Until it was beat by Chris Weidman. Yeah, and then that was pretty much the beginning. But of I mean, the that's night. that's every that's the story of every fighter for the most part. They're they're untouchable until they are. It's very rare that you get somebody who straight up retires and then we're done. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like I said, uh, peace to uh, the great Anderson Silva. And also, we got a little news here in terms of uh, documentary wise. Yep. Um, the producers of the Last Dance, the guys who did the you know the the Michael great, Jordan right Michael Jordan uh, documentary for ESPN. They're targeting a new sports figure for their next documentary, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm like, well, as soon as I heard that news. It's a like, big jump from one to the other, exactly. but I'm actually on board with it. I'm with it because, like, freaking, they, hey, the ESPN Ric Flair documentary was fantastic. And also the, the Andre the Giant one, yeah, which came out recently. Speaking of which, there's another one uh, attached to that one as well. But, yeah, it's like I said, Stone Cold is, you know, at one point was the biggest wrestling star, probably one of the biggest celebrities in the United States. I mean, it's uh, it's arguable yeah. as to whether or not he, he surpassed Hulk Hogan, but I think he did. No, no, no. no it's I not, really it's, think he it's, did. It's not arguable at all. Like, even, if, even Vince himself has said it. Like, freaking every record that they had previous before Austin, including Hogan's, they shattered it. With all, with yeah, Austin. but here's why I'm making the argument. Yeah. It might be in wrestling specifically, yes, but mm-hmm. I'm saying... Hulk Hogan, you gotta look at the TV shows and the movies. Yeah, yeah no, I'm turning that. And no. then you gotta look at The Rock, mm-hmm. right? Dwayne Johnson, he's gone yeah. on to a. I mean, he's literally the highest paid guy in Hollywood right now. Yeah, so that's the only yeah. reason I'm saying it's, it's arguable. Yeah, if you go on that route, yes. The but Hulk. yeah, within yeah, for sure, within within actual wrestling, he's definitely the biggest. He definitely. Because I mean, yeah. even The Rock, and that's why I didn't count him as much because yeah. he 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 got on the scene. Yeah. But he almost immediately jumped out and he went the Hollywood route with what was yeah. it? I think. Uh, there was Walking Tall, and what was the other one he did with uh, him and Schwarzenegger when they had that moment? It was oh, like, have uh, fun. They walked past each other, a little cameo. Uh, running, sk- running, running something. Running something. I think anyway, whatever it was. Yeah. Well, we'll do we'll do something on the rock one of these days. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, like I said, uh, they're doing their next documentary on Stone Cold Steve Austin. And since I mentioned the Andre the Giant one, the Andre the Giant people are doing one for Vince McMahon. Okay, and that's that's, that's going to be good to watch, and that's going to be on Netflix apparently. That'll so, be interesting, and it's going to be a multi part one because it really has to be. Yeah, I was going to say it has to be because that dude's career, like freaking less. His if whole, you can collapse that into less than five hours, I'll be shocked. Man, dude, like this whole his whole career is a millionaire making millionaires. Well, and it's and it's not just that. I mean, if you think if you look at it right from from a a, a public relations perspective, he's always had this public persona. It's only gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. So you have to be able to cover what happened as far as the storylines and the arcs and the things that he put together in wrestling. Yeah. But then, like you were starting to allude to, the backstory, everything that's been happening in the boardrooms. Oh, my God. I mean, who in, the, who in their right mind would have ever thought you would take wrestling in, into a public, right? Take it public as a company. Yeah. Stockholders. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it was kind of a big deal when they did it way back when with, with movies, studios, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, holy shit. Like, it's insane. But even before, all even before that, merchandise. Wrestling yeah. merchandise. Like, he came he came up with a lot of the stuff. You know, yep. like, his wife brokered a lot of the deals. It was his idea to kind of, you know, take that. We had wrestling toys. Yep. Wrestling video oh, yeah, games. Yeah, little action figures. Wrestling cartoons. And then clothes. Clothes. T-shirts, hats. T-shirts. Oh, God, yeah. They 
They blew up the game with the merchandise. Dude, sheets, pillows, all that crap. Exactly. So everything like, we grew up with as we were as we were kids. Yeah, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see those two documentaries. Steve yeah. Austin and Vince McMahon will both get their own documentaries. I'm, who do you, who do you think's gonna get uh who do you think's gonna win in terms of viewers? Woo! Oh shit. That's uh, a hard one. Yeah, it is. Both of them will be really good. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll keep yeah. an eye on it. We'll let you know who's, yeah. who's and, winning. And, and both and both men have some skeletons in their closet. Oh yes, they do. Both men and some people that hate them for sure. Oh yeah, definitely more events than Austin though. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, but that's because who's got who, who's ever really there to hate Stone Cold? Exactly. But yeah, because Vince, Vince has, being the boss, Vince has the stroke, so yeah, yeah, he gonna have he, some enemies. He's gotten rid of some people. He's given some people opportunities other people thought they should have got. Yeah. Controversial calls. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. When you own the business, you run the business. Mm-hmm. Somebody's gonna get upset. I'm very. And I think I think the time frame I'm most interested in would be definitely the Bret Hart years. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I want to hear what they, I want to hear Vince's take on that. <laughs> even though even though we've heard it multiple times from Bret, I want to hear Vince's uh, thing on it. So uh, you you very, you very rarely hear from Vince. Um, but I will say, like I said, I'm looking forward to both of those documentaries. I think they're gonna be great. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else here for uh, dropping that news. Man, it really wasn't that much news this week. No, nah, there's, there's another and, there's another thing going on in this world, this country that's kind of taking over everything. I, well, and then the, really, yeah. well, and the other thing too, this time of year, mm-hmm. right? Because we're coming up on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, minus COVID, minus all the other craziness that's happening. Yeah, this is usually when it slows down anyway. Exactly. Now, if if stuff were more normal, we might be talking about AFM, American Film Market, but mm-hmm. even that was digital this year, mm-hmm. so you didn't have quite the same level of information and news and big stuff coming out. So we'll, we'll keep doing dropping that news for the yeah. rest of the year, Yeah, but probably not going to be that uh, it's insightful be, or exciting. It's going to be really, really staggered until we get to January. It's going to be sparse, folks. Yeah. Well, and we're not even shooting that much either. That's the other thing, because exactly. we're still shut down in LA. So anyway, yeah. stick with it. We'll, we'll get you some more. Yeah. All right, so we'll go ahead and knock that out of the way. So let's go ahead and get into our second watch along. I'm looking forward to this for a minute. Me too, because we had a good time the last time we got together. Oh, one of our time favorites. Yeah, our last watch along was the original Ghostbusters. Now we actually get into the actual sequel, mm-hmm. the much the much controversial, much contested sequel, Ghostbusters Two, released in 1989. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, before we get into the actual video, itself, it gives a couple factors in terms of. Uh, what happened in terms of making this movie come back again? So apparently, uh, the popularity of the real Ghostbusters cartoon uh, made it so that you know they wanted to go ahead and do a sequel. So they actually uh, met up uh, with because uh, at this particular point, Bill Murray actually went on an extended sabbatical from acting. Yeah, and uh, I think I think by this point he'd already done that famous thing where he swapped over to the one eight hundred number. Yeah, exactly. Didn't have an agent anymore. And I think the only film he did in the interim between the first Ghostbusters and really around Ghostbusters two or Scrooge. I think Scrooge is like the movie where he came back. Yeah. But during that interim, he only made one movie, and that was a cameo he shot for Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, that was it. Which I always forget he's in because it is just a cameo. Yeah. So apparently, it, apparently, it pissed off the head of Columbia, uh, David Putnam, who called Bill an actor who makes millions of millions off movies, but gives nothing back to his art. So yeah, he uh, didn't like that. Yeah, I don't think that's accurate. But so, what do I know? Okay, we got a little. We got a little thing there. Yeah, exactly. We took care of it. <laughs> we took care of it. But eventually, oh, yeah. the dude uh, David Putnam was actually fired from uh, Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good call if he's gonna, you know, start uh, start a pissing match with one of the biggest actors in the game. Yeah, and then his replacement Don Steele decided to make Ghostbusters two a priority. Like we had to get this done. So 
Uh, they contacted uh, Michael Ovitz, who at the time represented Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and uh, Ivan Reitman. Uh, they assembled a meeting in early '88 to smooth tensions between them and reservations. So uh, the different, so basically they all sat there and uh, kind of tech, you know, got out a little uh, deal here. So uh, Ovitz, um, Ovitz actually came to like a little bit of a conflict resolution between the group, and uh, the commencement started shortly after the uh, 1988 Writers Guild strike. Uh, like I said, we mentioned the Ghostbusters cartoon, so they toned down a lot of the stuff from the actual. Uh, first movie, a lot of the adult innuendo and behaviors, except with the, ba- the biggest exception, if you watch this movie, everybody gave up smoking, with the exception of the one scene where you see Dan Aykroyd with a pipe. Right. But yeah, in the original, yeah, it was well, smoking. Well, yeah, because I mean, that's that's about the time that they're starting to get a little more concerned with the health aspect, and it was like, what, yeah. mid-90s when everybody's like, okay, shut it down. Yeah, and you, also you will notice that the ghosts in this movie actually take on more cartoony yeah. appearances as opposed to the really scary stuff from the first movie. Uh, also, after the phenomenal uh, response of Ghostbusters, uh, Columbia uh, wanted to, uh, like I said, they wanted to get a script done as much as possible, but they struggled with some observations, some rejections from the crew and the cast. Uh, just like the first movie, Harold Ramis and uh, Dan Aykroyd collaborated on the script. Uh, they conveyed many different uh, versions of what they wanted to do. They actually did come, uh, come together with the whole thing of uh, the consequences of negative human emotions in large cities. So they decided to settle on the idea of making the negative emotions the slime that we're going to see underneath uh, New York City that kind of empowers the benevolent spirits. Now, the budget of the movie uh, was uh, somewhere around 30 to $40 million, filming took place between November 88 and March of 89 in New York and L.A. Uh, the production was actually rushed compared to the uh, original film's 13-month cycle. Uh, large portions of the film were actually scrapped because of poor... Uh, uh, poor received uh, test screens or whatever. Yeah. So new screens, so new scenes were actually written and filmed in reshoots between March and April '89, just two months before they actually released the movie. I think they did an alright job with it though. It's a solid sequel. Yeah, and as, as far as the first draft of the script goes, they actually did a lot of changes. Like, uh, what's his name? Um, what Walter Peck was actually supposed to come back. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Peck, the Pecker was going to be back. The Pecker was going to be back. Uh, the uh, they actually wanted uh. Dan Aykroyd actually did uh, go for wanted to do a subterranean uh, ending as opposed to the skyscraper stuff that they did at the beginning of the first movie. Uh, they also had uh, Dana Dana Barrett being kidnapped and taken to Scotland, uh, where she discovers a fairy ring and an underground civilization. The Ghostbusters were, had to travel through the underground nomadic uh, tube over two thousand miles, that which which was taking three days. That was actually part of the script. Uh, he initially wanted to retain the New York... Uh, Dan Acker wanted to retain the New York setting for continuity. Right. Uh, but they just wanted to uh, do something underground, something different. Mix it up a bit. Yeah, they thought they just thought it was too far out. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, also, uh, in terms of that, it was Harold Ramis that suggested the focus of uh, part of the story focus be on the baby. Because, in fact, he had actually... <coughs> excuse me. He had actually previously cons- uh, did a film concept, a horror film concept... Uh, which actually is centered around a baby that possessed human agility and focus. That's creepy. Exactly. <laughs> and this actually, uh, yeah, this actually inspired the character of Oscar that we're gonna see in the movie. Now, initially, the kid was supposed to be the kid of Peter and Dana, but uh, they decided to change it up a little bit. Uh, Bill Murray felt this was kind of an imbalance in the movie, focusing so much on the kid and all that good shit. 
uh, as opposed to the Ghostbusters. So they thought it would be better for Peter and Dana's relationship to fail, allowing her to marry and have a kid and be divorced with somebody else. Now, they don't say it in the movie, but it's insinuated that, the uh, what's that dude, uh, who's the stiff? Yeah. That guy in the first movie. The, the other guy was part of the band or whatever, part he's of the orchestra. A, that he's the father of Oscar. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway. And also, Harold Ramis also came up with the idea that the Ghostbusters had not remained heroes after their victory. That And uh, because of that. Right. That, they, they fall into sort of being like, wow, well, disrepute or whatever. Nobody likes them. The hard times. And also, the slime was meant to be a metaphor for urban decay and a call for, you know, a more humane solution among the among the people out here. Uh, <laughs> and actually, Ramis said, comedically, it suggested that. What if everyone in New York City had to be nice for 48 hours? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And also, he felt that large cities uh, everywhere are dangerous. Life is life has become cheap. You got to go to, like, you can go to um, see a movie or, and get machine gun in the street. That's how bad it was in terms of, like, the city it still is bad like that. It's heading back that way. Yes, it is. Exactly. <laughs> so after months of negotiations, Reitman, um, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis negotiated minimal salary in exchange for... Back in. Yeah. A percentage of the box office. The deal was reported a 10% uh, piece of the box office uh, profits each. Uh, Damn. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Exactly. So... Uh, good, good deal. Yeah, uh, This was done to keep the budget low, which was, like, like I said, about $30, $40 million dollars. Whereas upfront salaries would have been raised closer to fifty million dollars uh, if they just did it if they did it that way. Um, let me see what else here. Well, what was the box office on this one? Uh, we'll get to that uh, because we'll, when we do it, we yeah. just got to make sure. Remember, yeah. everybody you just listed got ten percent of that. Yeah, we we we'll list that towards the end. Actually, technically, it's ten yeah. percent of fifty percent because people who are not in on this side, we'll just give you a little business for the back end here. Fifty mm-hmm. percent when you hear a box office number, fifty percent of that top number is already going to the theaters. That's the way it's worked. Mm-hmm. So when you def- define your net profit or your uh, gross profit definition, generally it's off of 50% of total box office. Yeah, cool. Now, uh, Ivan Reitman actually started working on this movie right after directing Twins. Directly after. It's pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. Principal photography took place in New York in November 88. Uh, filming in New York actually lasted like two weeks and most of it was just exteriors. Yeah. Uh, then filming moved to LA in uh, late December 88. They, they used the same uh, you know um, interior for the uh, firehouse and all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Then like I said we mentioned the actual filming concluded all together in March of uh, 89 and then they did a couple uh, reshoots etc etc and then the movie was released a little bit later. Uh, so those are the really the main facts in terms of the making of the movie so far. But let's go ahead and get into this thing now. All right, we got it queued up. All right, and we are going three, two, one, play. Columbia Pictures. Oh yeah, the old Columbia. They don't technically exist anymore. Technically, yes, it's they're Sony. just something they throw on the beginning of certain it's Sony, Sony pictures. Boom, boom. <laughs> five years later. I love that that over here. And we got a first little bit of the slime, mm-hmm. the purple, the green, pinkish, pinkish purple, purple slime, slime. Yeah, and, and uh, it gets hit by the stroller here, mm-hmm. affecting the world. It's gonna eventually affect. Like the stroller. nobody's looking at the ground in New York, and they just roll their stroller wheels through some nasty thing. But this, I love this little thing here, with just like all these weird New York things that are happening around this lady and her baby, like people just pissing each other off. 
Yeah, guys pissed, guys pissed off at a media maid for being told. Some asshole hits a lady on crutches. <laughs> the other thing I gotta say, because my my wife and I are expecting a kid now. Yeah, uh, that is one of the ugliest, oldest, most effed up strollers I've ever seen, even for the eighties. Exactly. And now Dana's at her new place or whatever, uh, talking to her landlord about you know something going on in her apartment. It was just nice, you know, a little nice little apartment. I mean, she couldn't stay in the old yeah. one. Now this, obviously. yeah, this actual scene here uh, was actually filmed on First Avenue in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the baby stroller, like, ugh. <laughs> like, okay. And there it goes. Well, she's like, how did you get so far away from me? I'm always like, like, what are you I'm, doing, Oscar? It, I, I'm, I'm gonna put this out there, and I think it's kind of, like I don't think it's weird, but like I, I want to have a thing for someone. Really? Really? Yeah. You like, in that or? No, no, people. <laughs> stop. No, people, no, no, people have always, uh, like, I said, like, I've had, like, wow. things for, like, uh, certain actresses that, you know, like, a lot of people, like, really? Like, yeah, like, I heard, I got a thing for Sigourney, I got a thing for, what's her name, uh, the chick that plays uh, Dr. Crusher on uh, Star Trek? Oh, um. Gates McFadden. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like it, a lot of people are like really like yeah, I've always had a thing for Sigourney Weaver. You're an interesting cat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> now we got the um, uh, the baby stroller out of control here, which is really scary, man. Like, well, not only out of con- it's 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 in control is the real thing. That's what's really weird because yeah. it's driving. Oh man, this yeah, this shot here, like wow. It waits for the bus. Yeah, and the baby is saved, and like, oh no, what just happened now? And his first little strings of the Ghostbusters thing. Mm-hmm. And then here's the here's the cartoon thrown in. Yeah, but now we see the actual Ghostbusters. They're still driving the there, one. But yeah, it's seen better days. Definitely. Well, uh, I like that too. They beat it up. Yeah, exactly. So, like, uh, for the stroller itself, they had five remote control strollers. Uh, it was well done. That, yeah, that that was definitely. Yeah, so the motors in the drive shift in the drive shift one that were actually in the uh, stroller's chrome body, mm-hmm. and they actually had brakes on and all that good stuff. And apparently, they uh, they employed a miniature car driver named uh, Jake Usley to drive the um, stroller. Now uh, we see here the uh, like I said, we got the Ghostbusters here. They're supposed to be going to some scene. They don't know what initially. And actually, funny enough, the, the chick there, she's from Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Gail Wallen's the reporter. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, look who's here. Like, <laughs> and the kids are like, yeah, we don't care. And funny enough, the top of this is actually fucking like, this, this uh, p- the place where they're actually uh, shooting this right now is actually the third floor on the LA uh, 5 uh, station that they use for the interiors. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, now Jason Reitman. Little Jason Reitman, who is, will be directing the uh, current uh, Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife, that's supposed to come out this year. But it got pushed back. Got pushed back to COVID. But that's Jason Reitman. He's a little kid, little kid talking about, my dad says you guys are full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, his dad would know. Exactly. <laughs> uh, now that the Ghostbusters are entertaining for these kids, they're singing the Ghostbusters thing. Like, who are you going to call? He-Man. <laughs> now the kids are screaming like He-Man. Which is funny because those were the two competing yeah, at the Saturday time. morning cartoons at the time. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and the real Ghostbusters. You know something's kind of interesting too. When you look at this. Mm-hmm. You can see how much weight Dan Aykroyd gained between the two. Exactly. Because he was like he was like that Elwood Blues lean. Slim, yeah. And like now he, I mean, it's not that he looks fat or anything. It's just he doesn't look like that skinny like mm-hmm. kid that he was. But the thing that's kind of the thing that really appeals, uh, that really gives the public appeal of the Ghostbusters because they don't look like superheroes. They look like regular dudes. Yeah. Yeah. I love how they talk about like uh, they kind of explain what happened like uh, how you know. Uh, 
They conjured up a hundred foot marshmallow man, blew the uh, first eight floors off a major skyscraper, and got sued by every city, <laughs> every city, county, and state agency in New York. Yeah, that sounds ride. about right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a ride. And you see that the Ghostbusters have gone their separate ways uh, since the. Uh, End of uh, the first movie. Well, the other thing that's kind of weird in this whole thing. So, right. So, in the first one, Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver's character mm-hmm. is supposed to be like a cellist or a violinist or whatever mm-hmm. with like the New York Phil. Mm-hmm. And five years later, she apparently can't play anywhere. And now she's working in a museum. As an art restorer. Right. Which those aren't even kind of the same jobs. I don't know. Yeah, it is, it is weird. It's like, yeah. am, I, am I supposed to assume that every musician can restore high-end art? Like, am I gonna mm-hmm. am I gonna call Bieber and say, "Hey, man, you play yeah. the drums pretty good. Can you <laughs> fix this painting from the 15th century?" I do love this experiment here, where he's like, uh, like testing human emotions, kind of, which will eventually become a theme in the yeah. movie, where he's like got this divorced couple in a room. He's like purposely rising the temperature, pissing them off, Make like telling having his assistant come in and tell him, "Oh yeah, I gotta wait five, five more minutes." minutes. Like, we've been waiting for, like, two hours. <laughs> yeah, it just pissed him off more and more and more. He's, like, uh, trying to see if it actually affects the physical environment. Yeah, they are going nuts. <laughs> Especially the husband, man. He's, like, all this, all this exaggerated movements. Yeah. It's such a, like, the 80s husband yeah. thing with the white, with the uh, button-up shirt with the rolled-up sleeves. And the tie that's loosened. Oh, God. Man. Well, and then, like, his, his kind of, like, overacted hitting the wall. Yeah, he just keeps hitting the wall. Well, actually, this little girl—that is Catherine Reitman, also also another child of Ivan Reitman. See, that's what I, when you're when you're uh, above the line, you can put your kids wherever you want. Get them a SAG card before they're ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and while they're talking, they talk about like uh you know the whole thing with uh like what's going on with uh Peter Bankman and all this stuff. I love this. I love this. When she asked like, has Peter talked about me? And he's like, no, just to test her. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. And it's like, uh, have you seen Peter? Well, he's borderline at first. Then he crossed the border. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love where we pick up with Bankman in this one. Exactly. So, yeah, like I said, the Ghostbusters have all gone their separate ways. Uh, Ray and uh, Winston are doing kids' parties. Still maintaining the Ghostbusters look and the Ghostbusters motif. I mean, well, it yeah. makes sense because it was Ray's... Like entire life savings that he sunk in the hey, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's got to keep it running. And uh, Egon apparently has gone on to. Uh, I think he's I, gone back to academia. Uh, did they? I think they specified this is was this Columbia University or like that. I think so. Yeah. So he's doing his research at Columbia University, and Bankman, of course, which we're gonna see here in a second, is a talk show host, which yep. is appropriate. Which and like funny well, enough, well, they always said he's like a game show host, right? It, yeah, like that whole said, line they make the joke. Yeah, she said that in the actual first movie. You know, like a game show host, World of the Psychic, with Doctor Peter Bankman. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely like. Well, uh, then what's this dude's name again? He's in a lot of stuff. Yes, I know this. Act, yeah, I know exactly this actor's name. I don't know his actor's name, but like Fact, he he played. He has a really great small character arc in uh, in Seinfeld. He was the uh, the same time. He's the guy that that he can't get rid of. He was the military guy in Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he he did a bunch of other movies here. Uh, I love I love this guy. He's like. Uh, so you tell us you know the end of the world. Now, can you tell us or do we have to wait for the book? <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, like this dude makes this prediction, but he's actually true. Yeah, it's actually spot on because that's what they end up fighting. Yeah. 
And like, and like, uh, Bill, of course, uh, I'm sorry, Peter Vang was like, hey, like, uh, does it really have to be this year? I mean, come on, you're, try, you're trying to get your book out here. Like, you got to wait for rights. Like, yeah, I know. Year. <laughs> but we, you know, if you pushed it back a year, you might get more sales. And they said, <laughs> we might get, we got to wait a year or two to see if we got some TV of the a TV, uh, TV movie of the week potential here. <laughs> I have a psychic prediction that the world will end on New Year's Eve. I love his response. Well, for your sake, I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and now the chick, like she, she's just in twins. That's uh, Danny's girlfriend in twins. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But she looks so much different in here. Well, it's all about hair and makeup and costume. Yeah, and like, I love her story here where she, she, someone she met a. Uh, <laughs> Well, well, she said that Val- it, like uh, the end of the world is gonna be on Valentine's Day, and that she met, she got this information from an alien she met at the uh, Holiday Inn Paramus. <laughs> <laughs> and how she's describing it is basically like sounds like uh, like a date rape type situation. Like she's like at a bar, sees a guy, puts some in a drink. She they end up in a hotel room. Next thing you know, he told me about the end of the world. <laughs> Did you ever listen to Coast to Coast? You ever heard that? Like working graveyard shift. It's this, it's this ridiculous radio show that's on late at night. Mm-hmm. It's where you hear about everything from like the lizard people to like government conspiracies to aliens and ghosts. Like mm-hmm. I used to listen to it when I'd work a graveyard shift uh, back in college. Yeah. The craziest shit you've ever heard. It's like if you have some crazy, you think you're psychic or you were abducted, that's the line you call in. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. So entertaining. I like this little line he said here. So your alien friend had a hotel room at the Holiday Inn for Rams. I think it might have been a room on a spaceship. Made to look like a room with Donald. <laughs> I love this over here. Uh, I love, yeah, like, uh, that's the thing. You really can't trust aliens. Every once in a while, you might find a cool one. Starman, E.T., but then they turn out to be a big lizard, which is a reference to a V. Yep. Yeah, the miniseries V. I still don't get this whole oh, yeah, naked hand, cat thing. It's so cats. It's so weird. Like, he just came out of nowhere. What uh, they call uh, it? A sphinx? I, I believe so. But, like, he, I, I just love his, like, uh, reaction to it. It's like, uh, <laughs> like, our next yeah. show, Hairless Cats. <laughs> and just hands it off, and they and talking about like uh oh yeah all the different uh actors or oh, all the different acts that you're supposed to have on the show. So yeah. like no legitimate psychic acts gonna come on the show. They think you're a fraud. I am a fraud. He sees the mayor and gets pushed off. This guy him. here, oh my god, uh, he's been in a lot of good stuff. Kurt too. Fuller, that's the actor's yeah. name. Yeah, he Kurt. always play. He always plays a dick. He always plays a dick. Like uh, since we talked about Hulk Hogan re- uh, just a minute ago, he played the bad guy in that with no holds barred. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. basically Vince McMahon. Like he he kept saying jockass a lot in that movie. Jockass, you jockass. <laughs> I gotta look up his filmography again. He's yeah. great. Yeah, he's in a bunch of stuff. Like he was in, uh, I think he was in. No, no, no he you know, you know what I was thinking of with him. He was in scary movie. Yeah, he was in scary. Do you, movie. you know what he's doing a lot right now? What? He's on the show Psych. Oh, is he? Yeah, know. he plays that. Uh, he plays the medical examiner or coroner. I don't remember which one he's supposed to be, but anyway, yeah. he's the pathologist. <laughs> it's ridiculous and creepy and weird and funny. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now we got uh, Janusz played by uh, Peter McNichol, another mm-hmm. great actor. I love, I love he's, I love how he's walking here like you. Know, like I don't like anything you do. I want you to know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so apparently, Peter McNichol himself said that uh, apparently the uh, initial. Uh, character was named Jason, but it was actually a Nichols idea that you know to make him uh, restore from like Carpathia, right. and also he spent a lot of time in this trailer creating the accent and you know the origin for Janusz. Uh, so yeah, pretty much a lot of that stuff is just him, you know, just making stuff up. 
Well, even the creepy way he just pulled stuff out of her hair. Yeah, like because she's like, uh, are you, you hitting a, on me? You, you have a thing there. And he has a little crush on Dana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, the uh, Alexander Hamilton U.S. Custom House is actually used as the exterior of the uh, museum. There, it, look, it's a good look for an exterior. Yes, it is. And uh, also, his actually, what this I love this fact here. He actually uh, got the accent uh, from Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. <laughs> So that's where you got the accent from. And we get a big picture in the back of uh, Vigo the Carpathian, mm-hmm. uh, who is the villain of this movie. And apparently he was inspired by Vlad the Impaler and uh, Rasputin. Yeah. Look at this. Ugh. That's actually not a bad effect. With the head coming out. Oh, yeah. Man. I mean, it's it's yeah. really easy to do. And you got raise occult books. So that's his side big side business as opposed to being just a Ghostbuster. He also runs in a cult bookshop. Well, you got to make some money. I love this guy. The guy leaves like, yo, I'm b- b- my best to the coven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is this right here is just a great example because of the fact that both uh, Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd are big, you know, spiritualist guys yeah. where they're all about the afterlife and um, the unknown and stuff like Whereas Dan Aykroyd was a lot more open about it. Harold Ramis is very knowledgeable about it, which is why they clicked with so well yeah. together. Well, then here you go there, too. You got uh, Ray smoking his pipe. I love this. T- we talk about, like, uh, girls, like, uh, I bet the girls love that big crayon of yours. Actually, I think they're more interested in my epididymis. <laughs> For those of you kids not familiar with human anatomy, the epididymis is these small tubes that connect the vest difference to the testes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love his I love this book request. He's like, uh, oh yeah, your book just came in. Uh, magical, uh, well, uh, magical paths to fame and fortune, or something like that. <laughs> 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 I love I love this little part here where he's like, uh, oh yeah, we gotta uh, we're doing some Ghostbusters stuff together. Like, uh, we're just checking something out for an old friend. Really? Who? And, I, and, and uh, Ray keeps avoiding Vangman's question. Who? He just hits him with the Gravity ears. ears. Is, yeah. Nobody, nobody. Dana Barrett. <laughs> My Dana Barrett? I mean, I guess it's New York. There could be another Dana Barrett. But like, specific but specific to them, yeah, there's, only one, there's only one Dana Barrett. And we got a first little shot of Oscar here. Little baby Oscar. I don't know. I think her last apartment was better. Yeah. Oh, she still does play the cello. Exactly. Even though she can't get paid Just for not it. professionally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at uh, uh, now she's Ray again and Egon again, of course. But it brought somebody else, <laughs> old Peter. Uh huh. <laughs> I know. I, I know it's gonna be. I know it's gonna be rush up. But I thought I'd give it one more. Shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dana. So fucking. I love Did you Bill. Miss me? I, love, I love Bill, man. It's like so weird. Hello, Peter. Hello, Dana. <laughs> Dude, my my absolute. Yeah. Probably in this order, my my favorite cameo of his was mm-hmm. in Zombieland. Oh yeah, where they're playing, they actually are playing Play Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters at one point. Getting high and playing Ghostbusters. My yeah. second favorite's when he uh, he plays wow. the corpse of Mayor Gunderson in Parks and Rec. Yeah, if there's a yeah, <laughs> he's literally just lying in a coffin. That was his yeah. whole solar. Oh, look, if there's credit to be had, I'll take it. Yep. If there's blame, it's your fault. <laughs> goodbye, like thank you. It's so yeah. great. Thank you, and goodbye forever. Okay, so the kids uh, was actually twins that we used to play the baby, uh, mm-hmm. William and Henry uh, Dusendorf. 
uh, two little kids here, man. Well, they, it's always better to do twins because there's all kinds of rules when it comes to, in terms of how how much time you can have the kid on screen, each exactly. kid. But if they're twins, it's fine. It's interchangeable. And, of course, now Dan and uh, Harold are doing improv and <laughs> investigating this baby, <laughs> testing it for ticklishness and checking its height and weight. Like just being completely scientific with this baby, just being little weirdos, be a pupil response, yeah. <laughs> ocular response, and then of course taking the yep. testing it be ticklish, appears to be ticklish, <laughs> little baby, <laughs> <laughs> and of course uh, Dana and Peter are going over their relationship, yeah, and like uh, Peter saying like it would have been better if you asked me to marry you, when she's like you never asked me. And every time I brought up the subject, you get drowsy and fall asleep. <laughs> Exposition. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. He's like, I'm a man. I have to be loved. I have to be desired. I think it's when you started referring to me as the old ball and chain. That's when I left. <laughs> 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 yeah, you fucked up, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And actually, funny enough, the uh, kids, the, the, the two little kids that play Oscar are actually the nephews of John Denver. It's so weird. It's such it's a so small little world in yeah, there. So weird. Yeah, so weird, man. Uh, and they're still doing EKE, uh, PKEs and all that stuff. On yeah. the baby and shit. And they're leaving him alone. I need you to get a stool something from the baby. Business or personal? Which <laughs> <laughs> is kind of gross. I vote for Egon. It could be either one. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he's a weirdo. Yeah, and going over the kids stuff. I love the little part here in a second where he's talking about like uh, he had never had toys. Cause, like, you can just tell he's just like a yep. joyless child. Yep. <laughs> they became a joyless adult. But he has joy. Egon has joy as an adult. You see him enjoying the Twinkies. And yep. every once in a while, he'll pull out a your mother, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so Egon has some joy. And well, no, but it's it's killer it's killer development on the character. Uh, they, yeah. And it's and that's one of the things that works so well about it is yeah. that they, they really tried hard to make sure that there was... Mm-hmm. Individual voices to each one of the characters. I like this thing here between Peter and the baby, like Bill Murray just being Bill Murray with the kid and whatnot. Yeah. And also, like he's talking and about, the kid like, starts laughing. And yeah, also the thing he's talking about, like, uh, uh, want to play with a big kid? <laughs> like, kid just bit his nose. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, I should have been your father. I mean, I could have been. So he kind of like relating <laughs> that with the kid. I like this part here between uh, Ray and Ega. Like, you never even had a slinky. I had part of a slinky, but I straightened it. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, you guys. That's one of the best ever. Yeah. So, like I said, I, I always tell people all the time, Harold Ramis is such an underrated, like, humorist in terms of, like, the, line, the lines he get away with. I, I, I quote the stuff from Stripes all the time. Oh, dude. Like, Stripes is a watch along and a half. Exactly. I love the stuff he was talking about, like, uh, so what do you think? Well, he's ugly. <laughs> Some of the baby. <laughs> he also stinks. <laughs> You're right. Like, you are right, senor. Your daddy stink. <laughs> and what's his name? Oh, yeah, what's his name? Oscar. Oh, man, she named you after a hot dog. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird to think of an Oscar as anything other than an old man or a gold trophy. Yeah, you don't hear too many little kids named Oscar. Yeah. Well, well, Hispanic children. I, I do, I do I that. Don't, I don't know any. I know I know a couple of Hispanic children named Oscar. Huh? Yeah. I, I love this series. Like, I like to run some gynecological tests on the mother. Who wouldn't? <laughs> I'm with you, brother. That's <laughs> right. JD has the weird thing for Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, I like this shot here where they actually go out to the traffic where they uh, investigate the the whole stroller get down. And apparently, they wrote this in because he's seen Bill Murray do this for real in, like, real life. 
Where you just cut across traffic. You like go that. across New York and like do traffic and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. It kind of reminds me of uh, there's a story I heard about uh, Chevy Chase mm-hmm. right before they started SNL, where he did this like ridiculous pratfall basically in the middle of traffic somewhere out in New York, and that was what finally sold NBC. I'm like, all right, we'll give you a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was ridiculous. And this scene here where they're digging a hole in the middle of the street is actually L.A. Downtown have you, LA. Have you ever have you ever run a jackhammer? Me? Yeah. Uh, no, not me personally. But actually, funny enough, I lived in a house in Oceanside, California that actually was under renovation. We had a jackhammer in the back. I didn't want to touch it, but my best friend came and visited uh, just for a couple of days, and he he actually got to do it. Dude, I, I it's literally one of the worst things I've ever had to do. Like do a jackhammer, dude. It it like by the by the time you've done it for forty five minutes or an hour, yeah. your shoulders and back, it everything, every part of you's been shaken apart. Yeah, like you can't even hardly grip it anymore after a while. I can feel, I can understand that your hands will probably be numb from all the vibrations. Oh, dude, it kills you. And it's hard work. All these guys are, you know, improv and like freaking like, uh, yo. <laughs> it's these workers or whatever trying to figure out like who you are and why you're cutting this thing in the middle of the, of the city. They're just out there looking like they're professionals. The cops are like, all right, whatever. Then from DWP, whatever. We'll just keep going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love, I love uh, Harold Levine here before they start talking. He's like, uh, like what are, how, how, you, how you doing? How have I been doing while you've been getting coffee for fucking three minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've been doing all the work. Yeah, yeah, I love this little thing here. Yeah, somebody needs to go down there. They kind of pull in the. They actually did this gag in the first Ghostbusters too. Remember when like uh one of us should do something? Yeah. It's like initially it was against Bill Murray, but now they're doing it against Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. yeah. Well, first little. Now we're back at the museum. We got Janusz. We got, got a first shot of Vigo as uh. Played by uh, I think I think this dude is also named like Dusseldorf or something like that. He's a he's a creepy looking dude. No, uh, the actor's name is uh, Wilhelm von uh, Hamburg, who apparently was like this uh, German pro wrestler, former pro wrestler. He looks creepy in this. Funny enough, his voice here is dubbed over by Max von Sydow. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I have sat on a throne of blood. What is will be. What is will be no more. Now is the season of evil. Since we talked about Sean Connery, Max von Sydow was uh, Blofeld and never said ever again. Yep. Bring me a child that I may live again. Apparently, old boy didn't know that his voice was dubbed over until the premiere. They don't usually tell actors that sort of thing. Yeah, and he actually left the premiere in in anger as a result. Yep. Again, they don't usually tell them. Now uh, we got to possess Janusz here. I don't really go so far as to say possessed, but he's like... Well, he's like... Um, yeah, possessed isn't a bad word. But possessed... He's not possessed by Vigo. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. it's like he's he's controlled, obviously. Controlled by Vigo, yeah. And now they're going into the uh, nomadic transit uh, get down that Dan Aykroyd was so adamant about in his first script. Yep. So I decided to use it instead of for going to like goddamn Scotland to fight a ghost. I decided to use it as the center of the... Uh, all the negativity the and slime. problems in New York. The river of slime. And the pink. There's the pink. There's a lot of pink right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we're shooting an orgy. There's a lot of pink around here, man. <laughs> slime! It's a river of slime! Ugh. That looks tasty. No, it doesn't. Well, actually, funny that you say that. Uh, the actual slime itself is called uh, methicil. It's actually a vegetable-based gel used to create the slime. 
Uh, the, of course, they added food coloring to it, like the green and the blue, and in this case, pink. Uh, apparently, they had the, they mocked up different batches of the slime, and uh, uh, Ivan Reitman is the one that actually picked the pink slime here for the bad stuff. Uh, apparently, they acquired 100,000 gallons of slime, about 380,000 uh, liters of slime. They had four cement mixers. On set, that were kept on set daily to mix the fresh batches of slime because it's a lot of slime. Apparently, it deteriorated quickly, and uh, also they added mica dust and uh, mineral oil to the uh, river of slime, which is gross. So that's what a lot of that is oil. That's why it looks so viscousy. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has that viscous look. I love, sure. I love this stuff. He's like, uh, like you guys, now, you guys on with the water company or the phone company? We check. So tell me another one. <laughs> he, he does tell him another ton of gas. <laughs> you gotta love that. Bill Murray, he can always do that. Yeah. Oh, and then here we got the slime's gonna try to. Oh, yeah, Ray. the tentacles. Yeah, yes. Oh, oh, man. So uh, basically, the, the tentacles were actually plastic and they filmed it against the blue screen. Uh, and it was a stand in, actually, that was the boot that you saw there. Yeah. And oh, boy. And panic, poor, poor Ray blacks out in New York City. <laughs> it's kind of even getting trouble for. <laughs> Not since Superman blacked out in New York City. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> we talked about it in that in that one. Watch that watch along; it's great. Exactly. Oh uh, yeah. So Dana checking in on the baby, and then Yanush coming in to check in on Dana, mm-hmm. which is creepy. Yeah, very creepy. Cause you always mean to come in, you know. You want me to come in? What do you do? No, she's not into you. But, I mean, this is before this is before you really strengthen the whole, you know, workplace harassment issues. Yeah, but also, this, <laughs> uh, well, he also asked about the kid. He was like, how's the baby? Woohoo, is the little baby? He's okay. Like, <laughs> which is kind of like going to come in a little bit later, but like, you yeah. know. It's yeah. still super creepy. Very creepy, man. Like, y'all know, come on, dude. You want me? I just, I don't know what I like it. You want me to come in? <laughs> you, know? you want me to come in? No. Yeah, so, yeah, you try to be, like, for real? Like, come on, <laughs> <laughs> so great. And she's like, uh, no. Uh, you know, uh, I take out a check, you know? It's cool. Maybe some other time. Maybe some other time, you know? And I like this next scene because they had the uh, whole illuminated eyes yeah. of uh, Yanush here to really show he's possessed. Mm-hmm. Goddamn dog! I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. This dog. Oh, he's quiet, man. They're they're gonna hear him less now yeah. than they did earlier. Yeah, yeah, there you go. The illuminated eyes. That's what you've been waiting for. Yeah, filmed down the hallway. So basically, they did it twice. One with lights, another time without lights, and that's how they kind of it works. Together. It works great. And but, oh boy, now we in the goddamn courtroom scene with a Harris Eulin, another great character I've seen in a million different things. Yep, fantastic uh, character actor. As the act, oh, they call him Hammer. Yep. The judge, uh, Stephen Wexler, the hammer. <laughs> and he said up front, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't hear, I don't hear no, more, no stories about spooks and demons. Let's just stick to the facts here, folks. <laughs> yeah. And then Rick Moranis. The return of Rick as a Lewis, lawyer. Lewis. And he, he tell him, like, this is a horrible mistake. I just got, like, I got my little degree in night school. That's cool, Lewis. We were arrested at night. And, like, <laughs> and, like pretty much just saying to himself, yeah, we're screwed. Yep. And uh, this uh, female lawyer here uh, named uh, Janet uh, Mong- Mongolian, uh, this is actually her final film. Uh, she would actually pass away oh, in that's, 1993. That's a shame. Yeah, but this is her last movie. 
And uh, like, like I said, it's still in New York, so you still got some criminals and punks and shit in the background. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently one of them uh, is a mobster from the 1950s with yeah. that fedora. Yeah. Like, what the hell? I love this little, I love this stupid fucking opening argument. I love your honor. <laughs> Let's jump out of the audience. I mean, so everybody had a hard time doing the black, okay? Like, I got stuck in the elevator for a couple hours. I had to make the entire time. But I don't blame them. Because one time I turned into a dog and they helped me. Thank you. <laughs> it's one of the best. And then the judge's reaction. <laughs> and even Harry Raymond's reaction. Very good, Lewis. Short, but pointless. <laughs> yeah. And also, you see the big difference between the actors. Like, because uh, Rick Moranis is like, what, five, whatever. And yeah. all the Ghostbusters are six foot plus. Yeah. Yeah, but they, that's what's all, but again that's that's some great casting yeah those guys are, yeah like that's, 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 that's another thing I'd say a lot of, a lot about these kind of guys like they're deceptively huge yeah like Chevy Chase is like 6'4 Chevy Chase isn't in this no no I'm just saying like <laughs> let me can I get to my point I'm just saying a lot of those a lot of the SNL guys yeah, no, are deceptively guys. large Bill Murray is like 6'2 yeah Dan Aykroyd is like 6'2 like, uh, like I said Will Ferrell is like 6'4 six, 6'5 six, yeah, they're all really tall. They're huge sure. guys, man. Like, I love this. Like, oh, the, the, man with the slime. Who, I, um, it's another one of those character actors you've seen in a bunch of different shit. Yeah. yeah. Like the dude playing the Con Ed guy here. He's like, well, I've been down there for like 20 some years and never seen anything like this. Whatever it is, they put it there. Like, yeah, so, oh, <laughs> Cross examination of Bill Murray. Yeah, with a uh, Vanquin leading fucking Lewis. <laughs> Dude, they should do it. We should do a docu. We should get somebody to do a documentary about Bill Murray and his career, and it should be called the Cross Examination of Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah, it would be dope. I would definitely. I would but, watch but, that. And he's just playing along. What? what? Yeah, yeah, because it's it's it a good thing. You know? <laughs> but and even he's asking like some leniency from the, the other the Probably prosecutor. Yeah, come on, we're both lawyers. Come on. Do you have anything? Uh, uh, do you have anything important to say to this witness? Do I? No, I think we felt him enough. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah she is adamant to getting rid of them and, I, and also it states in this particular scene why they haven't been right. ghost busting because the fact they have a judicial court order basically prohibiting them from acting as paranormal investigators and eliminators yeah now, apparently that was put on them by the city after the whole get down with Gozer <laughs> because that wouldn't be apparent to everybody when they saw the giant marshmallow, stay puffed marshmallow man get blown up that maybe yeah. something weird had happened. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are frauds. Say that to the fucking marshmallow man. Say that to the marshmallow that's <laughs> all over you. Yeah. Yeah! Like, I mean, it literally covered that section of the city. You remember that time we was there when that giant marshmallow man stumped on cars and shit? Yeah, I think that was real. And I love this here where he's like kind of getting the crowd behind him because he's talking about like there are some things that are just way beyond human comprehension. Things that can't be explained. Things that most people don't want to know about. That's where we come in. And, and here's some again with the sometimes shit happens. Somebody's got to deal with it. And who are you going to call? Yep. Ghostbusters. Like I said, like I said, they stand up and look at, look out, look at Lewis. Mm-hmm. He's so, you're right. He's, he's so, so little. little. He's so little compared to him. But yeah, they all were found guilty, and they've been basically—they're basically sentenced to Rikers, and they had to pay these fines of twenty thousand dollars each or some shit like that. Yeah. But the negative judge himself is triggering the slime. He is, yeah, yeah, he's really triggering the slime. Yeah. Like, 
No. Which actually, did you did you research? Do you know how they they're able to complete that effect? Are they just bubbling it up with air? I believe it's I believe it's I believe it's just uh, bubbling up with air, like a little air air hose underneath. Uh, I didn't I didn't see anything specific to that. It looks like it's definitely got a, got an up lighting in it too. Yes, it does. But yeah, the, it's just going out of control, and you see the wind picking up, and there's a lot of wind in this movie. Yeah, yeah a lot of wind. And yeah, get get down. <laughs> and have you three burned at the stake? Boom! And now we got the Scolari brothers, which, like you said, a little more cartoonish. A lot more cartoonish, like, and then actually uh, modeled them after the Blues Brothers. So one yeah, skinny, one's one's Elwood, one's Jake. Yeah, one skinny, one thick. And apparently, uh, he he uh, Harold Ramis actually named them after a pair of kids that actually robbed his dad's store. There you go, the Scolari brothers. In your and, face, Scolari bros. And the actual names are Tony and Nunzio. <laughs> so Tony is the thin one and Nunzio is the fat one. <laughs> I love how they they fucking with the judge like yeah I want like you should do something why don't you just tell me you don't believe in ghosts? <laughs> yeah, he's like desperate. They, yeah, he's desperate. They cool though. Yeah, they're like nah, we've been here before. And the, this motherfucker like yeah they they violated the estrangement order that blue thing I got from her. They'd be exposing themselves, and you don't want us <laughs> exposing, exposing ourselves. ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And actually, in the trailer, you see this without the effect. In the original trailer, just the lady being pulled by a leg. Yeah. Yeah, now the judge actually relents. Like, hey, I rescind the order. Case dismissed. And he Ghostbusters again. Now stop this shit. Oh, man. Time to get the proton time packs. packs on, man. And actually, funny enough, the proton, the word proton pack is actually not mentioned by the Ghostbusters until, like, well into this movie. They yeah. never say it in the original movie. Yeah, but by this time, they'd already described it in the cartoon. Right? Yeah, yeah, but like I'm saying, specifically from yeah, the actual yeah, yeah, live-action yeah. actors. No, yeah, and apparently they have a, uh, the, the power cells of a half-life of 5,000 years. <laughs> so, yeah, they'll be fine. Yep. Do that's one of his great little yeah he's smiling smiling about his shit such a such a great dorky character and the actually apparently the proton packs were made like much lighter for this movie than the original because apparently I hope so because they didn't look heavy the original uh, the original proton packs were like anywhere from 30 to 50 pounds where these only weighed 28 there you go oh yeah with the chairs coming in dun, 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 and the music picking up Oh man, <laughs> and they just fire them wildly because it's the first time they've used it in years. Yeah, yeah. But what? But uh, once you know they get used to the shit, they yeah, you they're see back the, to it. They back to it, brother. Do they have a trap? I don't remember seeing a trap. Is there a trap on? Yeah, the, you'll on see the it. table. No, on the table, but uh, Egon has it. Right, but where did it come from? I think he like. Oh, hold on, this right? Is this a movie magic? Did we catch a movie magic? Let's let's look at Egon. Okay. Wait a minute, it might be behind them. That's what I'm saying. It must have been on the it has to be on the table. No, no, I'm talking about behind him, like right now as he's as he's talking or whatever. No, it's not. I don't see it. Yeah, but Bill, yeah, he's having a good time and he gets Nunzio. Yeah. Hey, the music is great, man. And actually they changed up <laughs> and the and Red screaming, You got him, you got him And they also uh, the uh actually uh in terms of the special See? effects this yeah, 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 yeah. So it must have been on the it, table. It must have been on the table. Okay. So the special effects this time was not done by Boss Films like the first film. They were actually done by Dennis Mirren. 
who were gone. Of course, you know, he did like all the, the miniature stuff for James Bond and, yeah. and uh, Jurassic Park and stuff like that. So, we, uh, he did a great job here. He actually uh, made it more so like the uh, power things like lassos as opposed to the first movie. And now they actually caught the Scalari brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Such a great movie. I bet this. Uh, somebody told me they went to see this in the theater, and this was a big like cheer moment. Oh yeah, what's well, the first capture? The first capture, yeah. And now they're back. We're the best. We're the beautiful. We're the only Ghostbusters. I love this shit here. <laughs> and now they back in business, man. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. And Janine's back, and now she looks just like the cartoon. Yeah. As opposed to the first movie. And now we got the montage here. The first of she's far yeah. more stylish. Yes, yeah, she is. The first one, and then the new stylized Ghostbusters sign and with the, the two. That was that. That bothered and me. The Ecto two. This mother. Uh, no, no, I think it's the Ecto A one or the Ecto two. One of the two. But this, all this extra shit they put on top of it. Like, yeah. how the hell does this car not tip over? It probably does. Yeah. And actually, this is great here. Like, you see the uh, alternate costumes yeah. for the Ghostbusters. The thing about it is they only show them in just this, just this montage. The one, This is the one thing, my biggest criticism mm-hmm. this whole deal. Yeah. Is all the times that they've got... Oh, there he is. Actually, Ray's smoking a cigar right now. Yeah. Okay. And it, actually, this dude playing the ghost uh, jogger is actually Jim Fye. He actually plays a couple more ghosts in this movie. Uh, but anyway, what I was, what I was going to say, it's kind of ridiculous, is like... How uh, how stylish they ended up making Janine in this one versus the first one. Yeah. Yeah, because the fact they made it look like the cartoon. Yeah. It's a, it's a different different yeah. change for sure. And actually, this scene here that you see, like, when they're doing the commercial, like, this actually was from the original movie. They just never did it. Yeah. yeah. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love these costumes, man. Like this. Oh yes, like I said, and the actual montage is set to the new rap version of Ghostbusters done by Run DMC. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, this part right here. Oh yeah. Uh, we see them in the car. Apparently, there was a spot where Dan was possessed by uh, Vigo and started going crazy in the car, and they filmed it, but it, yeah, it just put it in the montage. So. Oh yeah. Um, the, sorry, the other thing I was gonna say that really drove me nuts in this yeah. one was because uh, I got distracted there for a second. Yeah. How they changed all of the logos to do the Ghostbuster two. Yeah, exactly. They should have just kept that the same. Yeah, they changed all the logos. Like it even looked like on the patch right there on yeah. Egon's sleeve yeah. with the Ghostbuster with the number two up. And you just, just I love I love looking at the background because you just see all the people with smiles on their faces because they, they like, know. Yeah, this is gonna be dope. It's Ghostbusters again. And Dana watching the commercial way. <laughs> like, that's not all. Yeah. Oh, you mean the Ghostbusters hot beverage thermal mug and free balloons for the kids? <laughs> <laughs> One per family. Oh, man. So it's good. very donkerous. And uh, we uh, mentioned, uh, we, uh, well, it kind of passed off with Slimer's back. And yeah. you see him in the actual Ghostbusters. Just chilling stuff. out, eating yeah. food. Yeah, so that's directly from the cartoon. Because yeah. uh, in the interim between the two movies, Go- uh, Slimer kind of became the... Ghostbusters mascot. Yeah. Yeah, and became their little friend. Uh, so apparently, like, they actually did an episode of the Ghostbusters where they see Slimer come in and uh, uh, friggin' Ray loves him. Ray is the one that names him Slimer. And yep. uh, Peter hates him because he always ends up sliming Peter. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and they always call him the little spud of Slimer. <laughs> I do love, I do love this whole negative versus positive charge slime. Yes. 
Which it is, does. I think, I think it is a great idea. It is, it is an interesting concept, and it allows it gives them a new tool to play with. So instead yeah. of just having the proton packs, when they have the positively charged foam sprayer. Yeah. yeah. So basically, stating to the audience that the slime that they discovered uh, responds specifically to negative human emotions, yeah. anger, frustration, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they talk about the different experiments they've been doing to it, talking to it, trying to do the opposite, like say nice nurturing things to it. I love this line here. You're not sleeping with it, are you? And then they look at Egon. Egon sleeping with it. <laughs> and also another thing about the goat slimer thing in the, in the firehouse. They had a subplot where Lewis gets a Ghostbusters proton pack and starts chasing up a Slimer in the, in the house or whatever. Yeah. Ends up damn near killing Janine. But like they, they didn't add that or whatever. They just, they just shot the little portion of it for the montage. Uh, I love this toaster test. And actually, funny enough, because of this movie, Lewis is actually added to the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, this is crazy, though. Like, this, like, this whole this whole toaster thing was a great, great idea. So the actual, this is one of those yeah. ones that shows you it shows you an awesome way to give exposition without being more the explainer. Exactly. And the actual toaster itself is a Toastmaster B700 model. Uh, it was apparently first appeared in 1978 and became America's most popular toaster. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love this effect here with the, the toaster dancing to Jackie Wilson's higher and higher. <laughs> See that's what that's what we need in the world right now. We need we need Jackie Wilson. Dude, I was actually about to say and that. Some positive slime after everything that's going on in the world right now. That'll actually, make the world great. Actually, what I did was I needed some positive music too. Something where you have to say la 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 at some point in the song. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, I was listening to uh, Stevie Wonder's "The Secret Life of Plants" the entire way here. <laughs> of course, you were. <laughs> it's hey, it's a very underrated album, man. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. Oh, like, uh, now we get to see him running into Dana at work. I love this dude here. He's talking about like I love your show, World of Saki. Like, uh, like uh, what's your new favorite show? Bassmasters. It's a fiction <laughs> show. Yeah, yeah, I know Bassmasters. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, I love how Bill's like kind of like pissed off at the guy because he likes Bassmasters more than his show. <laughs> well, his show's gone now, right? Yeah, I, I love this part where like Vigo was like you know kind of smirking at him like, yeah, she look good. And that's back to I'm gonna take your baby. Yeah, and funny enough, this painting hangs up at ILM. It should. It still it still does to this day, and and like I said, since we mentioned Dennis Miran, they're the ones that actually took over mainly for the special effects of this movie. Yeah, because they weren't available for the first movie because they were busy doing Spielberg movies and uh, yeah. So yeah, they finally got ILM. This is so weird. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> shot. Yeah. <coughs> you know, just... I, I also I also have to say I mean I don't know that much about art, art restoration but yeah. I don't think they do it out in the middle of the floor in the in the middle of the gallery it's usually in like a sterile mm. like white room people have to put stuff on so they're not flaking things onto it like I'm, from what I've seen in little bits of documentaries I don't think this is the way they would do any of this movie magic dude I guess movie magic I mean it does make for a really Beautiful background. I love this here. Well, you see the two competing men in Dana's life. <laughs> Not really competing anyway, because Peter's, Peter's, clear, Peter's clearly winning. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you make it. I like some more and more. They explain what he's talking about uh, Vigo's past, how he was a magician and genius. Yeah. But Dana calls him a genocidal madman and how much she hates the painting. Not knowing that the painting is alive and can hear everything that they say. Yeah. 
or that it's controlling uh, uh, Janusz. Yeah, I love this. Uh, I know he's missing some Carpathian kitten. Lost, lost his kitty. Let's just put one over here <laughs> by the castle. I love it. He goes away. Well, you're not gonna get a green car with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. That's a killer line for you're, sure. You're sweet for this little hunky star, are you? I mean, she's like. Voices her concern to Peter that she feels that the painting is watching her and smiling at her, mm-hmm. which it actually is. Yep, this is a great shot too, with the two of them looking at the painting and looking back at each other. Yeah. Mhm. And now we got the possessed bathtub scene, which actually looks pretty cool. It freaked me the fuck out when I was a kid, man. Even though I love this movie so much, this scene, I was like, oh my god, like, this. yeah. So Dana's you know, giving the kid a bath, getting getting ready. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I, I'm just doing a Sigourney Weaver here. I know, you got your Sigourney Weaver moment going. <laughs> Alright, so basically what they did was a actually in the script it started out as a bubble bath monster that was supposed to have like thousands of eyes. You know what I'm saying? That'd be a lot of work. Exactly. Uh and apparently it would have been it would have been destroyed when uh, Dana drops a hairdryer into the tub. Uh, so yeah, Ivan Ivan decided that the slime he preferred the slime being the monster, and you see here the slime is actually not coming through the faucet, coming into the water forming in, in the tub. So they used a silicone tub uh, that could be bent easily. Yeah. Uh, and then apparently a dude named uh, Tom Flouts uh, puppeteered the tentacle that you see with uh, some kind of de-electric gel, and it's reinforced with uh, uh, spandex and uh, silver silk. Mm-hmm. And you see the animated, they added the animated mouth later. Uh, and also this part here was Sigourney Weaver takes off her shirt. Uh, it was actually not in the script. <laughs> it does look like a silicone bathtub. Yeah, and, it, and to this day, they're not sure if it was Sigourney's idea or Ivan Ryman's idea for her to take her shirt off. I mean, like, I'm just thinking about it like out loud. Like if you're going to, like, I've only had the experience bathing dogs or something. Yeah. You're going to get wet. So it makes sense. Yeah. She want to take the blouse off so it's not going to get wet. And now we get our first view of Peter Bengman's apartment, which is basically like a loft. Yeah. Which is pretty it's pretty cool. A, it's a it's a straight up bachelor's paradise yeah. with empty beer bottles. <laughs> empty everywhere. beer bottles, clothes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, she's terrified and like, you know. Now we get to actually see Peter be a good guy here. He's for like, five seconds. For five seconds. But yeah, he's still a Peter. Yeah. Well, he takes care of him. You know what I'm saying? He, yeah. He calms her down. You know, her baby, her and her baby just had a traumatic experience where a damn bathtub tried to eat him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And now he's calling, uh, calling, bu- the, calling the Ghostbusters. Uh, he got in a raid for a reinforcement. Yeah, her bathtub tried to eat her. What? <laughs> and you see the, you see they got the, hel- the little helmet on for the emotional response thing again. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I love that swim cap. That's so great. Yeah, and it shows another thing of the improvised, you know, electronics that they make. In yeah, the, and then we get actually what uh, Egon Sosen, That's the first little thing of those uh, the, the positive slime. No, no, no. The uh, the slime buster, slime blower thing that they uh, right. It, it, use. It's what charges. It's what sprays out the positively charged slime. Yes, because he's got the positive charge and the negative charge. Yeah. Yeah, man, looking up inf- information on Vigo. And also, Vigo's last name is uh, Dusendorf, which is the same name as the kids. The little, the little twins that are playing oh, Oscar. Yeah. yeah, the slime, yeah. And they make a like science joke of talking about, like, is there an atomic way to cobalt or whatever the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Which it, is basically what you get with, you know, 
couple of couple of science dorks. But now they're heading over to Dana's apartment to check out the slime and shit. I love this little moment here where he's like, uh, "Why we're back with Bill Sigourney and uh, fucking the baby?" He's talking about uh, the Jets dirt, the Jets uh, blanket. Sweatshirt. Yeah, I got this from a girl who got this from Joe Woolley Namath. All right, we don't know how she got it. We don't want to know how she got it. But just don't go to the bathroom. Anymore. Yeah, he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like wait, how he says it, like, uh, this is a good time for us to practice what those big boys like to call self-control. Yeah, now it's pretty much making a diaper out of the damn uh, jersey. Yeah. Which is not a good idea at no, all. No, it's going to be useless. I love how Sigourney looks at him like she's loving it. Yeah. Like him being, you know, a responsible kind of. A, well, just being, being fatherly. Be, yeah, being responsible. He <laughs> just jump around the bed like, come on in, smoke place. Yeah, <laughs> come on in, <laughs> So stupid. <laughs> and she loves it, too. You can tell. Yep. But not enough to let him stay. Get out of your own bed. Yeah, Burbridge kicks him out, yeah. And he's like going over sleeping range, just like, maybe I can look like this, you know, and you have your arm over me, or I lay the other way and I choke on your hair in the night. <laughs> <laughs> What if you go sleep on the couch? And me and the baby in the bed, like, this is my house. Right. I, I could I could be a dick and make y'all sleep on the couch. Yeah. yeah. But no, he's playing the long game. And I also love this little gag here. He's like, uh, uh, I don't want to put him down. Can I put him down? Sure. You're short. <laughs> your belly button sticks out too far. You're a terrible burden on your poor mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's his idea of putting a baby down. <laughs> I mean, technically. Technically, yes. Still. And <laughs> uh, yeah, like uh, they meeting up at the uh, freaking. Hey, so that scene that we saw in the montage where like uh, uh, they going crazy in the car. Uh-huh. This is after this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, they just apparently they took the scene out and added it for the freaking uh, uh, montage. And it's I mean, it some more and more to explain stuff, explaining the origins of Vigo, how he was like a hundred plus years old when he was killed, and also that he was stabbed, shot, disemboweled, drawn, and quartered. And then when his head died. Yeah. Uh, and then all the different <laughs> nicknames. Vigo the Holy, Vigo the Despised. He wasn't Vigo the Butch. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the revelation. Like, uh, he had one more thing to say right before his head died. His last words were, time is, oh, uh, death is but a door, time is but a window, I'll be back. Mm-hmm. I love this. <laughs> they go in, they, the big heroic shot. He's like, come on, suck in the guts, guys. Are the Ghostbusters? <laughs> Yanush. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I can tell how much you love saying that name. It's a great name, Yanush. Yanush. Yeah, that is. No, 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 no. You go, you go, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think go. Yes, the joyfulness is over. Well, you're not getting a green card with that attitude there, pal. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah. Uh, where the hell are you from? The Upper West Side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, Ghostbusters on full effect. All of them in uniform, of course, except Bill. Because yeah. he's Bill. And, like, you always see, like, how just Bill is just not just, not so much just the leader on the film, but also a leader behind the scenes. Cause, like, yeah, he, for sure. Because he, he definitely does his own thing. Well, and he drives the improv. Yes, he does. And I, I love he's, like, going going to town with his damn camera and Vigo. Yeah, come on. Yes, yes, give me that. Huh? Who's an angry Carpathian? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, bet the, I bet the girls like you. I bet the guys like you too, huh? The girls? Huh? Mm-hmm. I bet the guys, huh? And, and, also, great too. and also you see that uh, Dan Aykroyd has two different colored eyes. Does he? Yeah, look. Let's see. 
Well, 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 they showed up better close up earlier, but he has like one green eye, one blue eye, something like in, that. In real life? Yeah. He's mono- uh What do they call that? Monocular. Is it? I didn't know that was a thing. I totally didn't realize that. Yeah, two, he has two different color eyes. And he also has wet feet. <laughs> yeah. That's a great look for him right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't got a half hanging out. I'm like, you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I thought you wouldn't come down. Who, me? I'm good. <laughs> so great. Now we get the outside shot. What are the, what are the, an expensive building. Yeah. Own the whole damn thing. Oh wait, no, this is back at his joint. Yeah. But still, that'd be an expensive building. Yeah. For a second, I thought I was supposed. We're to doing a lot of stuff in Peter's apartment. I love this stuff here. It's like, oh no, oh no, oh no. She cleaned. <laughs> like he had, you know, got guys got a system down. Like, yeah. like you, you fucking up my system, baby. Come on, man. I don't know where any of my stuff is anymore. Yeah. Mr. Gordon comes out in the towel. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, okay, now this is getting creepy. <laughs> I'm gonna... You're making noises like my dog. <laughs> Excuse me for listening over this beautiful woman. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure I could agree with you there, but hey, that's your style. I'm sorry, Alexa Jordan Weaver. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't as lustful about her as in the first movie as I am in this one. Well, um, I will say at least now I know who is. <laughs> True. I always thought of her like I always thought her appeal was it was sort of like um, uh, like uh, what, what's her name um, Meryl Streep. Where it's like she's a she's a normal person, right? She's like the she's the every woman. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like she's she's not like over the top, ridiculously gorgeous. She's just like yeah. the. A normal person. Yeah. But I a great actress. I'm I, not saying yeah, against her as an actress. Oh yeah, I dig it, man. I dig it. But I didn't know <laughs> I didn't I didn't get this other side. I didn't realize I was thinking. Yeah, I dig it, baby. And I, and I, I mean it's not my style, so maybe he's basically why. telling her, We're gonna go out, we're gonna have a date, and I even got a babysitter. Like like uh and she's like, Is he not a strange person? I'm like, it's Janine from my staff. <laughs> like, Come on, let's go out. Well, we need somebody who's not strange. <laughs> so yeah, he brought clothes over from my apartment, like choices for her. And I, I love this she's like a uh, no, like, I don't want any more of those cheap moves. Like, no, no, I got all new cheap moves. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. old cheap moves. No, new yeah, cheap moves. moves. And little Oscar, yeah. Running around in another one of his shirts. I love this little scene, this little part here we talking about. Like, I got some Laura Antonelli takes if you don't watch them. <laughs> For those of you not aware of uh, Laura Antonelli, she did. she's an Italian actress who did a lot of erotic films during the 70s. <laughs> so you going to give that to a child? Probably not. So she would do There's like she would do like Emmanuel type movies, which I like, by the way. Emmanuel, Queen of the Galaxy. Oh jeez. Yeah, but it's like the main uh, like title, like like erotic film. Dwarf. I don't think I've ever seen those. Uh, the main actress that does is Sylvia Crystal, but like uh, they've done different versions of Emmanuel. The, the only ones like from that era that I'm even remotely familiar with would have <laughs> been um, those Russ Meyer films. Yeah, with the titties. Yeah, well, the only reason, and honestly, the only reason I know that was because yeah. of Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, the Super Vixens and the Ultra Vixens yeah. and shit like that. Yeah, I watch the movies. They're horrible movies, but not tits. <laughs> <laughs> I also, uh, freaking, uh, the only other version of Emmanuel that I really, really liked, especially when I was a teenager, was on Cinemax, Emmanuel in Space. It was, it was Krista Allen. Uh, Christy Allen? Krista, Krista Allen. Oh, Krista Allen. She was the... Uh, I think I know you, her. You no, know, you've seen Liar Liar, right? Yeah. The chick with the big boobs in the elevator. Oh, when he's... Yeah. When he's having his breakdown moment? Yeah, exactly. It's, that's she Christa, punches him? That's Krista Allen. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now we see a little uh, relationship between Lewis and uh, Janine. Yeah. 
Because, like, in the first movie, she was all on Egon job, but apparently that ain't going to work. So, go after Lewis. And Lewis, is all, and, and Lewis is all on Dana's job. Oh, yeah. So, now they on each other. It's working. Yeah. Kyle, uh, oh, yeah, this is a great this scene. This one gets good. This is actually a reshoot. It's worthwhile, though. I mean, it's this is a solid scene. Yeah. Where they're, like, in the uh, room here developing pictures of uh, Vigo showing all the different distortions and different things, like... You see his aura and all this other shit. And yep. Yeah, it's great. And I love uh, what they're doing is going through like spe- uh, spectrographs and all this other shit. And like, uh, they're talking about pizza. So, what are you going to eat tonight? Greek? Mexican? Pizza? Dinner fit? Chicago. It <laughs> <laughs> is, is a great little back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, they, uh, reached, they actually uh, added this scene. Uh, to increase the sense of danger and uh, yeah. urgency, as you see the the doors being locked by ghosts, <laughs> and they're stuck in there. And now we're gonna have a nice yeah. fire in a room full of chemicals. Yeah. And now we actually see like he's showing them that's the real slime. But yeah, now the fucking fire goes on like oh shit, oh yeah, room full of chemicals too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. See, so, and then you have the chemical bath for the photos below are all catching fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's done? What's that? Now, but yeah, now we see Winston be more of a factor in these yeah. movies than just like coming in occasionally. Because Winston here saves their fucking lives. Yeah. And saves the firehouse potentially because he comes in with a fire extinguisher. Something ironic about a firehouse on fire. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. It was just like in, uh, was it uh, the, um, the, the Dark Knight? Yeah. When you have the fire truck on fire. True. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because the Joker. Yeah. Jokes. I, I, love, I love the stuff when they coming in all the rubbers and stuff. Like, look, wait a minute. Let me guess. All you can eat barbecue rib night at the Sizzler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is what you'd wear for that. And, of course, being Bill, again, like, they're ready to go down and do some dirty shit. And he's, you know, about to go on a date with a beautiful like, woman. Let me know how it goes. And they're like, go, 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 yeah, go upstairs, change your clothes. And he, uh, unless she comes down, like, uh, he explains to her. Should we, should we go in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go down to, they're going to go down to the sewer to look at slime and stuff. And Egon thinks there might be a huge surge in cockroach breeding. You want to skip this date and go with them? And she's like, no. <laughs> and he just goes along with it. Like, yeah. Huh? Women. Women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Like, women. Such <laughs> 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 a dick. <laughs> But a lovable dick, though. Oh, for sure. I love all this stuff here. Most of this yeah, stuff was reshoots. Most of this stuff was reshoots as well. Oh, well, yeah, they, got, they had to add a little more danger to it. Yeah. I love how he's scaring the shit out of Winston. <laughs> well, like, he's going to work for cockroaches and rats. You shut up about the rats, right? <laughs> I'm with you, Winston. Fucking rats, man. <laughs> and Winston's scared as hell. They just like having fun with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's got that devious little smile on his face. Yeah, yeah. whole way down. Hello. <laughs> yeah, Winston scared shit. When they're playing with the echo, what, that's what a guy had the brother be scared shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> the echo. Hey. <laughs> 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 and Winston does it. Hello. No response. Well, Winston. 
<laughs> get the fuck out of there. Now. Seriously. No. Yeah, this this, this is not this scene here with the added phantom heads. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we uh, mentioned earlier that uh, Vigo is based on Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, there you go. The impaled heads are surrounded in one so. Such a creepy scene, too. Yeah, it was good. Even though they look a little rubbery, especially now when you watch it on HD. Yeah. Still good. Still very good, man. <laughs> I'm sure very effective in 1989. Now, oh, as, yeah. as they're heading back, they hear a train. Wait a minute. This, these tracks have been abandoned for years. But I hear a goddamn train. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, like, yeah, do you hear it? Sounds like a train. Uh-uh. These things have been abandoned for years. Yeah. It's gotta gotta be in another tunnel. No, sounds pretty close to me. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, this whole this apparently was shot at like a nightclub, which is weird. When I think about it, it was a nightclub. Well, it's probably a nightclub that shut down. Yeah, a nightclub in New York called the Tunnel. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Maybe it's a nightclub in a tunnel. And it's created to add this like unseen force trying to keep the Ghostbusters away. And then right after this, this is when they mentioned the uh, proton pad for the first time. Mm. And now we got our ghost train. Yeah, we're seeing a very distinct scream here. Yeah, as this train is passing through, which is crazy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's still out of it. And you know, like, yeah, that was a wonderful plane. That uh, it was a train that derailed. Yeah, whatever. Eight hundred millions of people killed. Did you get the license of the locomotive? Sorry, I, I missed it. <laughs> Man, what's right? <laughs> did, you get the, did you get the license number of the locomotive? Yeah, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> Sorry, I missed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ray's missing. Nah, it scares the shit out. <laughs> Sorry. You I like, didn't realize you guys would be afraid. <laughs> he's such a little kid, man, Ray. Yeah, he is. He's such a, like, yeah. He's a, yeah, he just has that, uh, despite being like 40 plus years old, he has that youthful fucking uh, energy yeah. about him. You know what I'm saying? Always. always still like, does. Yeah, he still does. Like, even at like, what, almost 70, like 70 something years old. Yeah, he's an old dude now. Yeah, those guys are up there now, man. Like, you know, Chevy Chase and all them, like, they're in their 60, late 60s, early 70s now, man. Um, yeah, I mean, this this movie is, what, 30 years ago? Exactly. Oh, no. 31. 31 years ago. 89, yeah. <laughs> so, like, look at all the negative energy that had to create this. Hey, New York, what a town. <laughs> <laughs> And this, apparently this is one of the more difficult shoots um, to do because of the fact they had to go into the slime and everything. Yeah. So they filmed it on the... Uh, they had a set supposed to be the Van Horn Station, which is what this is. Um, uh, Winston's character is being dragged in here by the slime current. This was filmed against a blue screen so he would appear in the river. Uh, yeah, that's blue screen. And also uh, the same thing where they had to jump in too. And uh, Ray and Egon have to go after him. No. Oh, God. And fun, fun. While Begman's at dinner with a beautiful yep. woman. At one of the most expensive, nicest restaurants in town. Yeah. Which, Bottle did, of did, wine. Did they state what restaurant this is? Nah, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you can just tell from the look of it. Yeah. And it's yeah. in there drinking wine. They got the bread basket on there. And it's in New York. It's not going to be cheap. Yeah, it's not going to be cheap. I agree. I get that. And then they talk about their relationship. Speaking of neat guys, why don't you dump me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, she's like, you know you weren't a good influence on me. I'm not good for myself. 
And like he's pretty much pleading with her, like I want you, you know, I want you to be back in my life. Give me some stability. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm. Make and me a little less me. I love. I, I really like how she. You know, as weird as he is, she digs him. Yep. I like that from Sigourney. <laughs> if I had this kind of attention, like every day, I'd be. Like I said I would be in shape by the year 2000, <laughs> <laughs> which was only 20 years away. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to give you a genuine like that. So, you know, I see the relationship rekindled me. Yeah. You silly with a kiss here. And cue the interruption. That's right. <laughs> well, now we got Lewis and Janine. <laughs> baby baby Oscar. And he's telling the kids a story of a, a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. He's talking about everything like, uh, which is... Uh, uh, they uh they offer she offered uh, housekeeping services in return for room and board, which was actually a pretty good deal. Like, just being <laughs> you don't have a, to pay taxes. Yeah, just being a really good, just really being an accountant with a baby. Yeah. Shh, bedtime. And now you see Janine and Lewis are kind of getting to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she is. And she is like ready. <laughs> yeah, she's like throwing herself at. This him. is just the thing with the ball by her crotch. Yeah, the crystal ball. <laughs> yeah, I'm like come on, get it. <laughs> He's like, I like to say, they say you live alone. Well, I used to have a roommate when my mom moved to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so great. You want to play Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? No, I don't think so, brother. I don't think that's what you want to do at all. Mm. <laughs> this she, is so awkward. And, and, she's, so and she's so overt about it. Like, put yeah. the leg on them. Like, tonight? Like, but yeah, she, yeah, she ready, buddy. Rick Moranis is so great. Tonight? Oh, uh, this scene here, man. Uh, when they come out of the manhole, cover the slime. Oh, my God. Uh, so, apparently, they had to redo this. How many times? Uh, just once. Uh, so, what happened was, they had... When, uh, uh, when Harold Ramis wrote that, actually, Harold Ramis the one who wrote this scene, he expected the production to just use, like, a manhole, but the only available manhole that they had was a uh, telephone conduit, so that's what they were in, mm. and the space in the hole was so limited, they had to squeeze in there all covered in slime, and the freezing temperatures combining with the liquid slime made it very uncomfortable for them, of course. Uh, then, apparently, the following day, they learned the cameras were all recorded at the wrong speed, so that they filmed the whole oh, thing again. man, that sucks. Yeah, they had to film the whole thing again. This is great. Uh, stripped down. Yeah, and they're like, about to kill each other, like, it was like, I'm supposed to kill you. It's the stuff. It's like pure concentrated evil. And it's all flowing right to <laughs> right. the spot. And then right, right, to right, the museum. right to the museum. <laughs> I love this. This now is they, so great. Now they come into uh, the dinner to interrupt Bankman. I'll see if they have the name of the restaurant. I'll see what they... I forgot, this, I forgot this actor's name, the dude that plays the Maitre D, but he was in a fucking Dracula AD. Uh, really? 1972. Yeah. With, with uh, Christopher Lee. I gotta look that up. Yeah, he was like, he was, he was like the main like uh, disciple Johnny Alucard. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for for those of you kids not versed in vampire movies, never trust a motherfucker named Alucard. Yeah, definitely. You know why? Because it's Dracula spelled backwards. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> but now they yeah now they're all excited explaining what's going on. Oh yeah, okay. So this lady with the slime on her, the guy that's with her is actually a contest winner. He won a contest to be in the movie? Yeah. He apparently, uh, he did his own replica of the Ecto-1. And actually, there's pictures of him on, like, uh, certain Facebook pages. And, yeah, he they, he came in with a replica. And was like, okay, cool, come on in. He was profiled, apparently, in uh, the Real Ghostbusters magazine in fall 1990. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. So, the dude, oh, yeah, the dude's name is Peter Mossen. 
And now we get our first hint of the, yeah, I guess we go. We're going to talk about the soundtrack a little yeah. bit more. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bobby Brown on our own. And speaking of which, they head to the mansion, Gracie Mansion. Mm-hmm. And who is the fucking valet? Bobby Brown. Yo, Ghostbusters. What's happening, kid? Can't get one of those Ask my little brother. He wants one. Proton pack is not a toy. I guess he's right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely that, not a toy. Nice cameo, though. Bobby Brown. Not a bad one. Yeah. And that, uh... What's that stuff's getting weird. Yeah. Okay, so apparently the uh, the actual mansion here was a Greystone mansion in Beverly Hills. <laughs> sorry, I'm just tired yeah, of Rick Moranis yeah. getting caught in the middle oh, of the sorry, Lewis, I'm sorry, Dana. You know, one thing just led to another. You know, you're like, come on, it's all right. It's, just it's, like, not, it's, it's not even like she's in charge of anything. Yeah, but Sigourney's like, it's cool, it's whatever. And look how tall she is compared to both of them. Yeah, she's a tall lady. She's about six foot or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, where's Peter? He got arrested. Typical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love how she's talking about she's such a good baby. Like he was a little fussy earlier, but then we fed him some French bread pizza. Pass right out. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously way too old for French bread. And apparently, um this is around the time she was doing this uh Annie Pasta doing designing women. Oh really? Yeah. So oh, I didn't realize that. I, I thought it, I thought it was much later. No, I think I think it's around the time like late eighties. <laughs> He's like, oh, we got away with that. But, and then they go right back at it. <laughs> you think we should leave? No, I think we should leave right now. You're right. Let's stay. They go right back at it. It's <laughs> <laughs> face that he's making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, he, finally, he finally got a chick that won't him for him, man. Right? Yeah, finally. And now the Ghostbusters are back again with the mayor. One more time. The late uh, David Margolis. Mm hmm. What the hell's wrong with you guys? Yeah, was it a slumber party? Who's the new pecker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got two minutes. Make it good. He's like, well, uh, number one. Oh, then Dan with the, with the cigar. Yep. Hey, Dan, yeah, Dan has a lot Dan, of cigars. Dan's, in the, Dan's the only guy who gets to smoke in this movie. Yeah. yeah. This is the second cigar and he got to have a And he's going to have another one when they go into the Statue of Liberty. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was like, uh, I also like to say that uh, half of the staff here uh, voted for you in the last election. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> so there are only two of them for the Ghostbusters voting for the mayor. <laughs> and, and I explained that explained the whole slime thing to a psychomagnificent slime flow. Does anybody here speak English? Of course, it's Winston again. <laughs> like all the negative emotions that's going on in the city is being turned into this sludge. And I, I know it sounds crazy, but we just went swimming in it and we almost killed each other. <laughs> I love when, like, when old, I think his name is like Jack Hannamaker or something like that. The actual guy. Yeah. The bad guy. Like, can't you stop, Bill? Can't you stop talking for two seconds? Like, like, start slapping yeah. his lips. Like have, like, have you seen what's going on out there? You got, what, three million completely miserable assholes living in the tri-state area. <laughs> Give me a break. Excuse me. Three million and one. <laughs> Kurt Fuller, man. I love him. I love him in Wayne's World too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the other one I was trying to remember. Yeah, he was in Wayne's World. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's what's his name? Uh, Benjamin's uh, assistant. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh shit! What was um? It was Rob Lowe's Benjamin. Yeah. And he was uh, I forgot the dude's name, but yeah, like uh, I'm blanking on. Yeah, I, I yeah. remember. Yeah. Uh, like I like when he's in the car after they convert him. He's like that one guy's like, I love you, man. I know. No, you don't. I love you, man. The guard's like, just say thank you. 
<laughs> and now uh, they let this asshole in charge. The ghost was like, uh, so uh, we have some people downtown that we, we, you can tell this stuff to. Like, and they're like, it has to be done right away. And it turns out to be fucking. They're going to commit him. Commit him to a fucking psychiatric hospital. Parkview Psychiatric Hospital. I love, I love how Dan, how everyone's freaking out, but you've got Dan Ackward losing his mind. Meanwhile, yeah. Bill Murray's like, I'm not with these guys, whatever. Exactly. And then the psychiatrist here played by Brian Doyle Murray, Bill's brother. Yep. One of the uh, oldest statesmen of the Second City Truth. Great comedic actor, oh too, God. by the way. Also, in Wayne's World. Yep. Is, uh, what's his name? Noah of Noah's Arcade. Dude, he'd be a great sec nav. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah. He'd be, the, he'd be the best. Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, then we got Janusz. <laughs> <laughs> with that voice? Yeah, I agree. Worshipping. Brian Dormer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rough-ass voice. I still think Caddyshack's my favorite with him. I, I think I, I love I love all of his work, but I just love oh, yeah, him I, Caddyshack. Yeah, I, I do like him Caddyshack, too, because he had a lot of smart-ass lines. There's there. so many great little Got a lot of complaints here. You know, bad language, smoking grass, bad caddy. Now, if you want to you keep it up and be replaced by golf carts, just keep it up. By the way, what's his name? Russell Lipbaum died of a severe anxiety attack. Taking a test. They say he choked on his vomit while taking a test. However, it happened. He was a good caddy and a good kid. He was a brown nose. Pete, you hate him. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the caddy scholarship is open to world of fuck. Oh, yeah. This is, sorry, this is one of those moments right here that's super yeah. gross when he's negotiating with Vigo so to be able to have it. Sigourney Weaver. And then, like, they, they made a deal. Like, uh, at the dawn, they will be ours. She'll be wife to you and mother to me. That's just gross. Yeah. Yeah, he gets the kid, possesses the kid's body. Like, Vigo's not going to just yeah. kill him as soon as he kills Yeah, and Yannis kills Dana. Mm, popcorn. And they're drinking high C. Funny enough, I had the high C that was, like, Ghostbusters themed. Because they it was green, and they had slime on the shit. I also had the Ghostbusters fucking... Uh, toothpaste. Oh yeah, I remember you talking about that last yeah, year. Around. Yeah, it was green. Also, just basically just toothpaste with like uh, green food color, or whatever. Fuck. Oh yeah, this shit here. Mm-hmm. And the kidnap pull of Oscar. Yeah, and that's a that's pretty creepy, pretty creepy ghost. Yes, that's sir. the thing. Like you said, a lot of the ghosts in this one, they ended up toning them down and making them more cartoonish. But yeah. this one's probably one of the more just regularly creepy ones. Oh man. And this is as a parent or like just somebody who has you know young children in your life. That's a real scary thought, man. Yep. Yeah, and then freaking like you see the hair going. On. It's like a lot of wind in this movie. A lot of wind on hair in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit. Yeah. Oh my god. And poor Oscar's gone. Oscar. Oscar. Yeah. So this funny. is when he's out there just doing like the creepy just, thing, he's crawling the, on the ledge. No, he, like yeah, but he's not just in that chilling. You can kind of see the blue light off the blue screen on that one. Yeah, but it's a, it's a, they have a uh, little person actor also out there. Well, for but I think they're cutting back and forth because that wide shot they just had, I'm pretty sure that was the baby. But There's the baby, like screen. I said, the close-ups of the baby, but the wide, no, the wide, I think the like, wide is actually. Like, this is going to probably be a little person. Definitely. And this shit here with the go, the ghost nanny, mm-hmm. played by Janusz, which we see, let me get the close-up. That's a really creepy thing, too, with the fucking, the cape flowing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a great idea. And it's Peter McNichol as mm-hmm. Janusz. Yeah, that's the baby. Yeah, the creepy old lady. 
Yeah, with the red eyes. That's another thing you don't see in movies no more. Red, <laughs> red eyes. Red, red eyes is always an indication of evil. Yeah. So I just all of a sudden just out of nowhere I just went <laughs> <laughs> with the red eyes. Man. Which is a good which is a good uh connect back to thriller. Yeah. With, with the yellow eyes. With the yellow eyes. But the red eyes, the glowing red eyes is always a good one. And now she realizes she has to go to the museum to save her baby. Yeah. Like where where are you going? We gotta get the guys. But they're kinda busy. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> he's just sitting there trying to explain this shit to the psychiatrist. He's not taking them seriously at all. And meanwhile, Bill Murray. Oh, well, he's, there he's like, smoking a cigarette. This oh, yeah, yeah. Right? You got to get a cigarette in the movie. Yeah. So they, they, they look psychomagnetic, slime flow, or whatever. Like, you're, this is you're wasting a lot of time. And even Winston explains the shit with the toaster and uh, the baby in the bathtub, the bathtub trying to eat the baby and shit. And like, he's just still looking at Like, you out of your. I love Bill's response. Though. Like, don't look at me. I think this guy's completely nuts. <laughs> you definitely see that Murray family. <laughs> you definitely see that Murray family resemblance. Though. Yeah, seen, for sure. Especially you, to get sitting next to each other. Yeah. Like if that. Brian Doyle Murray shaved the mustache. Yeah. Well, just like Bill. Yeah. Oh, out of paper how, here. How much older is he? Maybe that's where they got the idea in Blade. They were watching this movie and they said, "Hey, I know it's that's a lot of fucking paper too." <laughs> well, but see, it's important because then yeah. it shows the win. Funny enough, I actually like this part of the score. It's like my favorite part of the score because, like, yeah. like that really sets that impending doom. Also, uh, another thing we didn't we didn't really go into is uh, um, and, uh, what's his name? Uh, Elmer Bernstein was replaced in terms of doing the score by uh, I think his name is like Randy Edelman. Edelman. Hmm. Uh, he does an d- adequate job, you know. Uh, but like, like I said, it's certain moments like this scene here where he, she's coming into the. Museum where the score really shines, and now the slime is all over the fucking museum. It's about to become an impenetrable hard shell. Impenetrable. Yeah. There we go. Pinnable. Impenetrable. 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 That was a very uh, Mike Tyson moment. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's very impenetrable. The only problem with having a Mike Tyson moment is that very few people, other than Mike Tyson, can back it up with a punch. So you just gotta have to and take it. Dear God, don't let Mike Tyson find out you had a Mike Tyson moment. <laughs> As Keenan Ivory Wayans can attest to. Yeah. That's still one of my favorite club stories that when he talks about uh, Mike Tyson coming up on me after they do an impression on the show. Is that, and how you describe it, like, I was doing whatever and then I felt this paw <laughs> <laughs> on my shoulder and I turn around and it's the heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> and he's like, what's the one? I keep, I, I kill your mother? What the fuck? In the Mike Tyson voice. Yeah, I would have liked to have been there when Jamie Foxx oh. met with him to talk about because Jamie's Jamie's doing the uh, oh yeah he the is biopic. The, yes, he is actually. Yeah, trying to get. I think he's like still. He's like getting in shape for it right now. Something yeah. Like that. Well, yeah. I mean, everything got shut down. Obviously, so who yeah. knows where they're in the production. And process. then uh, they also had to shut it down again because of the whole Robin Gibbons thing. She's like, "Do not mention me in this movie. Like, we ain't even talking about you." <laughs> but, uh, don't worry. I, I wonder what was more yeah. deflating. The fact that like like uh, you you had to put, you felt you had to put in this uh, you felt that you had to uh, put in this uh, lawsuit because you thought you were important to Mike Tyson's story, or the fact that you found out that they don't care, they don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, you weren't. Like yeah, you're not part. mentioning the story. Right, now we get another montage here. Now that Vigo has the baby, we got some slime coming up to the top here in New York City. Mm-hmm. And we got Glenn Fry. Like we got Glenn Fry's Flip City here, which I love this song. 
Yeah. I don't like that many Glenn Fry songs. Also, the uh, the movie that they see in here, uh, Cannibal Girls, star you. Sorry, that was probably the scariest ghost that we've seen in this movie. Oh, Jason not. Oh, no. Theater. Wait. Wait till you see this one. <laughs> Which one? This one right here. This is the one that freaked me out. Where the lady comes out. She's had the fur coat on, and all of a sudden, damn, they come that, alive. You thought this one was scarier? Yeah, as a little kid, yes. Because you know, I have oh, a thing. With, I have a thing with rodents. Oh, that's true. You do have a rodent thing. And yeah, uh, so, uh, I, didn't think, I thought that one was funny. That's a great effect. And now we got the people here. This is also another reshoot. Uh, this, yeah, this is big for a reshoot too. Yeah, it's expensive. But we need we needed some we need some panic here. So See, this one looks, this one looks too cartoony for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I was saying the movie theater that we saw there, they're playing Cannibal Girls with star Eugene Levy and Andrea Martin, which is actually one of Ivan Reitman's first movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this little thing here. Like, uh, we got a Dodge Superheads, a Dodge Supervisor that Pier 34. What happened? He says the Titanic just arrived. Yeah. And this is a great shot here. Another reshoot with yeah. Cheech Marin. Yeah. Showing the dead passengers of the Titanic coming finally to New York. And I love the joke here. Well... Better late than never. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, in the original script, that's actually supposed to be uh, Bill Murray that said that. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. good they got Cheech in. Yeah, they got Cheech in. <laughs> and this brother here. I I, I, for years, I thought this was Jerry Albert. He just looks like him. A lot. Yeah. Like a lot. Ben Stein, though. Oh, that's right. I forgot Ben Stein had this moment. Yeah. And the mayor's flipping the fuck out because, like, uh, yeah, I should have listened to the Ghostbusters. Like, yeah, why, yeah. That's good. While you're planning this thing out, I'm going to go down in history as the mayor to let New York get sucked down to the tenth level of hell. We got no choice called Ghostbusters. He's like trying to stir money. Okay, we get. We can do something. We don't need to. I love his story here. Like I spent, uh, like what, uh, the entire night last night talking to Fiel and Laguardia for four hours. He been dead for forty years. Yes. <laughs> now where are the Ghostbusters? They're not available. You fu- yeah, you fucked up there, Jack. Oh man. Well, I was worried they were going to go to the media, so I committed them to a psychiatric hospital. Right. <laughs> you know, like you would do. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, hold on. Sorry. Is it? Yeah, we're uh, good. Okay. Sorry, I thought something, thought something shut down. We're yeah, still good. good. We're still good, folks. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, get this man out of the building and get me the Ghostbusters. This thing here, man, with the, uh, the sun blacks out. That's a mm. really great effect. I also, like I said, I also like that damn... I, I'm telling you that, the first the fur coat thing is my favorite creature <laughs> of the movie. But, like I said, Land. it's the most the one affected. It's the most effective one to me. Yeah. Uh, now it's daytime, and now it's pitch black. Jeez. Creepy. S- somebody give me the Ghostbusters. <laughs> now get some more of that Bobby Brown on... Mm-hmm. Um, and now get some more exposition here from Lewis. Like, yeah, the baby came here. He took the baby and now Dana's going to the museum. And now Dan figures it out. Vigo wants back in the 21st century. He needs a human body. Little Oscar's it. And we're the only yep. ones that can stop him. So now you, now you got your exposition. And it actually wasn't heavy. No, it wasn't. I do have to say, though, all this crap they threw on the uh, on the X1. In the Ecto-1 or the whatever. Ecto-1, I mean. Yeah, all this so extra shit. Much. But I do love this scene here where, like... See, this is the big difference between the 2016 Ghostbusters and... All the other movies. They actually like the Ghostbusters. Yeah. The city is actually behind the Ghostbusters. You didn't feel that at all in the 2016 one. Until like the very end. And then there's like just inserts of like. Uh, it's because they weren't Thank you messages. No. They, yeah. They weren't the heroes. Like people love the Ghostbusters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I love this one. 
Giant Jello mode. <laughs> <laughs> Jello mode. I hate Jello. Oh, come on, there's always room for Jello. <laughs> and they got their check. Yes, they did. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Best product placement ever. Like just like in the first one, when it was like Coke, all, it was all like Coke and a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Casio. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's trying to explain like hey, soon the world will be mine mine and vegos but mainly vegos you will be you will be the mother of a living god like, doesn't that sound nice <laughs> let me tell you something yeah yeah many perks to being the mother of a living god i'm sure we can get us a very nice apartment car free parking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, I like I like Peter Nichols, Big Mac Nichols, Yamish, and he's like maybe you know, I know a lot of relationships start with some hesitation, but maybe we can learn to love each other. And she's like, <laughs> I love how she plays along. I'm like yeah, I can learn just to get close to a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look at this this great hero shot here of the four Ghostbusters, and then of course the turn down. And then, of course, yeah, but then, like, going up against the giant thing of slime, man. That's what I'm saying. It turns them down. Yeah. It doesn't work. They got to they gotta try another way. Yeah. No, no, actually, cool. I'll just okay. Okay. It's cooked. <laughs> and and I, nothing. Yeah, yeah. And they need a good, they need a good, they need a, they need a good moment right here, just like the rest of this goddamn country at mm-hmm. this moment. We need, it. we need a good moment right now. We need some positive slime. We definitely need some positivity. Your love lifts me higher. Wait, higher. You, you get ahead of yourself there, buddy. What? <laughs> we just need the positive slime in the song. Yeah. You get ahead of yourself, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, uh, I'm talking about the scene here. There's actually an additional scene where the, day, the dude Jack comes back again trying to stop the Ghostbusters. And the whole thing with the mayor is like, uh, I only sucked down in the 10th level hell. Actually... Is Dan Aykroyd's character that says it to the mayor in this scene? Mm. So they switch it up. I mean, it works. Yeah. Come on, we gotta find some. Uh, I'm sure there's some positive energy in this burnt out bird. We just gotta find a way to mobilize it. I love it. I love it. Uh, we need a symbol that everybody can get behind. We need. Yeah, we need a symbol. Something and that. Looking at yeah. the license plate. We, you'll see eventually the license plate, but yeah, it's like something that brings out the good in each and every one of us. Something good, something decent, something pure. Yeah, they all get the little line in. Mm-hmm. And look at the license plate, and we see a st- shot of the Statue of Liberty. So it is the Ecto A1. Ecto A1. Ecto 1A. Whatever. Look. <laughs> it's an Ecto something. Yeah. And the Statue of I love this line. Yeah, this is furry. Yeah. I, I, I always make me wonder. You know yeah. she's naked under there. Yeah. She's French. Pinch. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> so great. It's so, it's so, real, so ridiculous. Yeah. And they said, the, whatever the system. How do you got all this shit? Yeah, so quickly. Yeah. And and how they're able to make the remote control work. Oh, my God. To drive her. So quickly. That's hilarious. But now we get to see the, sound, the slime blowers for the first time with uh, Winston and uh, Ray. <laughs> I love Bill Murray with the microphone. Testing one, two, testing one, two. Is anybody here a national monument? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, now you see the slime blowers with the positive slime mm-hmm. going all over the building. It looks like bubble gum. Yeah. See? Yep, yeah, you're cigar. right. He's got the cigar again. See? Yes. It actually looks almost like, um, I wouldn't say even as much bubble gum, but it looks, it looks 
something between like silly string and uh, and like have you ever seen that spraying insulation? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's like, kind of like that. Like the Pink Panther spraying insulation. Yeah. So the, apparently the slime blowers were three times heavier than the proton packs for obvious reasons. And what happened was the tanks didn't con- contain slime. They actually had like uh, lines that were they went out. they went to the actual yeah, tanks. Yeah, blowing off screen. I love this. this. Was a, it was a great product shot for both the Sony Walkman and for. Yeah. And for Nintendo. Now we're going to get some like higher and higher. Like, sung by William Hasbury. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not not Jackie Wilson. And it's affecting the positive slime with this positive message. We can't do the music, folks. But yeah. That's all we can do before we get in trouble. Exactly. I do like how the torch lights up, though. That's that is cool. great. So apparently Dan Aykroyd is the one that actually came up with this this, this idea of this animated Statue of Liberty. Uh, he basically te- took the idea of like making a taking a static image and making it move around, like kind of like uh, he's like making the Eiffel Tower move or something like that. It's pretty cool. It's pretty good. So like the dude we mentioned earlier, and, the, the, and even mm, this right here for yeah. like a combination live action CGI shot is pretty awesome. Yeah. So uh, we talked about it earlier. The dude that played the ghost jogger mm-hmm. is also the Statue of Liberty. Same guy. His name is uh, Jim Fee. <laughs> That's the moment where Rick Moranis. How she, how she zipped his shit from his crotch up? So slowly. Yeah. He did, yeah, you were born to wear this stuff. <laughs> That's right. You can get a kiss from this, <laughs> get a kiss from this woman. Yeah. And now Lewis is the unofficial fifth Ghostbuster. <laughs> I love how he's running. And he almost tips over. Yeah. Boy, this equipment's heavy. <laughs> the earmuffs. Oh, man. Look at this stuff. Look at this. The, the only movie I can think of closest with the amount of cooperation from the city would have to be uh, Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's so got all these cops. Another, another Dan Aykroyd movie. Yeah. Look at this. Man, this is just nutty. And they actually did a really decent job not having a... Yeah. I mean, keeping it somewhere between actually being like copper and something else. Yeah, but it's great. Look at this. Like, all the positive people here in New York City. Like, I don't know how the hell they got, you know, blockades and all this, like, so quickly. Again, movie magic. Movie magic. But yeah, look at all the positive people in New York rooting for the Statue of Liberty to go and do shit. And they see the Ghostbusters in the top and shit. <laughs> singing and tell them, sing along. Come on. Sing along, folks. Give us, give us all your positive energy here. Of course, we have the accident on its way. And he, oh my God. <laughs> Do you know, he knows where he just put his foot in front of? What? Trump Tower. No, oh, there you go. They're about to step on a cop car here in just a second. Yes, they are. <laughs> just right now. And boom. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I love her. Sorry. My fault. <laughs> so stupid. Well, this thing here too, with him jumping on the, uh, on the bus. Yeah. So apparently, other ghosts that they can see for this movie were like uh, it's supposed to be like a two-headed dragon, uh, billboard figures, animated gargoyles, a phantom taxi, and a uh, phantom Santa Claus. Slimer's driving. Mm-hmm. Slimer's driving the bus here. <laughs> yeah. Come on, get on the bus. Yeah. All right, but I didn't know you had your license. <laughs> yeah. And then the whole party time thing here. It's happening. As Vigo's possessing this poor child. Mm-hmm. It's happening. It's really happening. Oh, man. 
This is another hero shot here. Right here. The Statue of Liberty. With the music and the Statue of Liberty coming over. the And, sep- and it happens to separate the fucking slime for some yep. reason. Mm-hmm. And the crowd going nuts for the Statue of Liberty. You see cops and everything. Yeah. Hit mama. They, they do never give you the movie magic answer to how they get the Statue of Liberty back on the pedestal. They never do. Yeah. But I suppose they could walk it back. Yeah. Just gotta keep the music rolling. And like I said, since we mentioned the cartoon, they actually did a cartoon right after this movie, based on this movie, where they're talking about the positive. They usually use the positive slime in an episode. Well, I mean, once you came up with it, might as well keep it going. Exactly. Zeus, happy New Year! <laughs> all this, yeah, and all this is happening on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And he goes gone. Where's Rio go? <laughs> what is it boy did you bat the wrong horse horse please <laughs> <laughs> and they spray old Janos down with the positive, positive slime. slime yeah I probably have to stray it out pretty hard too <laughs> yeah he slipped and fell <laughs> that's gonna be a hard floor to fall on exactly one down on the ground Oh, uh, Dana and Peter oh, mini hero moments with a little Oscar and it's like is he gonna be okay now this time it's positively charged. You'd be wake up feeling like a million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Do you laying in that shit for such a long time? Ugh. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh wait, wait. Some more wind and hair. I mean something ominous is about to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of wind and hair. And wind and paper, apparently. The paper shit, not so much, but definitely a lot of wind and hair. And this like tubing comes to life. Hose grabs her. Yeah, tubing hose, whatever you want to call it. Oh, here we go. We're gonna hide him. Gonna hide him back in the corner and see what happens. We got a ghost in the building, folks. <laughs> it's our own per- personal slimer. It happens to it happens to <laughs> it just happens to sound like a congested bulldog. <laughs> He'll make noises for you. Yes, he will. Whether you want to or not. Vigo the carpet. Oh yeah, our first appearance of Vigo. And I, we mentioned this earlier in the other uh, podcast. He was in Die Hard. So was he in Die Hard again? He was one of the dudes in Die Hard. Like, he's one of the terrorists. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, I think he's the one where they had the rocket launcher on the one floor, and then uh, John McClane blows him up. Yeah, one of, one he, of the he's, two he's, that he's shot the Bearcat. Yes, yes. Send in the car. Yeah, send, send in the, the car. car. Yeah, yeah, that shit. Yeah, they get, they get a, little, a little action on Vigo, but Vigo deflects the back. Which is crazy. Yep. So they got hit with their own photon blast. It's the most powerful, uh, most powerful one they've ever had. Hell yeah, man! Sitting <laughs> like that was really stupid. <laughs> yeah. They they can't move now. Like, can you move? Nope. You? Nope. Let me. Can you move? I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> oh man, we go see the Oscar again. Mm-hmm. Him and this baby, man. There's the baby I shall possess. Actually, uh, kind of sad mm-hmm. note about the baby. Um, one of the two kids, um, what was it? Henry, of the, one of the two twins, actually uh, died in uh, 2017. He was 29 years old. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. So. Accident or something? Uh, suicide. Oh, man, that's even worse. Yeah. That's a total bummer. Yeah. And now we got uh, Peter here trying to... Uh, Distract go, him by, by go, talking smack. Go the bad guy. Even though Carpathian will come back to life now and choose New York. <laughs> Tasty pick, bonehead. 
You ever call anybody a bonehead? <laughs> no. Me either. I just call like, it's like it's like an insult from the fifties in like yeah, uh, you're the honeymooners. You're a bonehead. What a bonehead. I just call people assholes. Like, yeah, it's, I mean that's like, a little more it's, like, it's a lot simpler. Now let's say like if you were had a brain one in that huge head of yours, you would be living a good life down in Southern California's beautiful San Fernando Valley. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh and the I like how the baby did that when he's like sweating his arms out. Mm-hmm. Kind of like it's weird. It's a weird touch. I know the baby wasn't trained to do that. He just happened to do that. Yeah. You know, what's all the music come from? The people outside. So the positive energy is screwing up Vigo here. Mm-hmm. And all the people. Oh, no, outside, the statue fell down. Yeah, and all the people out here are singing "On Lang Syne. And nobody's tripping about the Statue of Liberty laying down next to him. <laughs> and Lewis comes up here. Whoa! I'm here with you guys. Are you Lewis? <laughs> He thinks he is. Mm-hmm. It's not really going to help much. Oh, yeah. But. I was also going to say uh, Max von Sydow, for all his uh, voice stuff for Vigo, he only came in for one day at work. Yeah, that's only one day's worth. He doesn't really have that many lines. No, he doesn't. But the positive energy offsets the negative energy here, and the Ghostbusters are not able to move just in time to save baby Oscar from... That's so fucked up. They dropped the damn kid, man. Yeah. They didn't really drop a baby, though. But still. You know, but, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Vigo's back in the painting, and it's all distorted and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Pinching his face. Yeah, go find your seat. Find your guys a shading spot. And now he's all demonized Vigo. And he reasserts his. See, see, one eye's blue, one eye's like brown. I kind of miss it. I have to, I have to look at it again when yeah. they do the next close up. Yeah. I don't think they're going to show it again. But it's yeah. Not like that. Oh, look, is it Ray? Uh, we like to shoot the monster. Could you move, please? Ray. 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 And now Ray's possessed. Man, Vigo shall rule the earth. Be gone, you pitiful half-man. Now. Got a climax. Mm-hmm. And Lewis is outside trying to help. I mean, it's not hurting. Not hurting at all, but not helping, really. It's more helping for the crowd. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they got Vigo, got the proton uh, blasters and the uh, slime at the same time. And apparently it works. Mm-hmm. Boom. The pain explodes. The slime goes off the building, and the world is saved. And everyone thinks that Lewis, Lewis did it. <laughs> <laughs> even Lewis, like, Lewis like, like, I did it, did it, I did it, guys. I'm a Ghostbuster. <laughs> Freaking Randis, man. Uh, we got Ray now. He's back to normal. Covering yep. the slime. Yeah. I love you guys. <laughs> yeah. How you feel, man? Groovy. <laughs> Groovy. Bankman and Bankman uh, and Damon got a kiss. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, move out of the way, kid. What's your mama? He just he doesn't push it back. Just move out of the way, kid. Yeah, now I love you guys. I love all you guys. Yeah, I love Bankman. Wow, <laughs> real friendship. <laughs> <laughs> and they just look at this fool like, yeah, we got to see, we got to deal with this now. Yup. And now Giannis is happy too. Yeah. Why am I drippings with goo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you, had, you had a prolonged psychic episode. What? I'm uh, sorry, you had to hold you there, but you were kind of away for a minute. Hey, let me tell you something, man. I love you. Yeah? <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> You're hugging and shit. And Winston points out the changed picture. Hey, guys, come take a look at this. This is a great shot, too. Yeah. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> Early Renaissance, I should think. <laughs> uh, I believe it's one of the fettuccines. <laughs> now he's got this great pain of the Ghostbusters being the herald for this child. Mm-hmm. Which is great. And it, you know, the original Ghostbusters thing, Ray Parker Jr., as they come out. <laughs> Something strange. As they come out, the conquering heroes. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Written by Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. Look at this girl. Ghostbusters. 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 Yeah, I was doing that chant thing with the two. Did you see him doing it with the yeah. two? Yeah. Say the fist. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. And now we get our credits here with Bill Murray and the rest of the crew. Now, as the credits are going along, we can actually talk about the music. So, like, Ray Parker Jr. actually helped develop the uh, Ghostbusters rap performed by Run DMC. Now, like I said, we talked about the uh, the soundtrack here. Because the soundtrack, to me, is Ghostbusters 2 is one of the best fucking soundtracks ever. Yeah, it's killer. It's stacked, man. Like, with some great acts, too. Bobby Brown, New Edition, fucking Run DMC, Slick Rick. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything. Those are the main ones that come on top of my head. But, yeah, like, it's stacked. It's a great R&B fucking soundtrack. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, uh, Ernie Hudson here finally gets some credit. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man. So great. Uh, but, yeah, so apparently the uh, soundtrack producer, uh, Peter Afterman, wanted Bobby Brown. And he wanted, who had, at that point had a succession of his songs. Uh, so to, to secure Bobby Brown's involvement, Afterman offered Bobby Brown's label, MCA, the rights to the soundtrack. Bobby Brown agreed in exchange for receiving a role in the movie. <laughs> Uh, but right, uh, apparently Ivan Reitman wrote a cameo, uh, wrote the cameo for uh, for Bobby Brown as the uh, the doorman at the um, mayor's office. And the main song here on our own was written by L.A. Reid, Babyface, and Daryl Simmons of Run DMC. Hmm. And this is a great song. We gotta get it. We gotta make it on our own. Well, I guess we're gonna have to take control. <laughs> if it's up to us it's a great fucking song no it's man. killer man and it, it's great like even if it wasn't associated with Ghostbusters like, fuck, it's a dope song by itself yep it just happened to be associated with Ghostbusters and now you see the end here the scene where the mayor is actually giving the Ghostbusters the key to the city at the return Statue of Liberty, Liberty. Yep. yeah and actually, the video for On Your Own is uh, basically uh, is Bobby Brown and all over New York City, like uh, basically it's like this like ghost almost, like him and some like some dancers and shit like popping up on different surfaces, like they're like on billboards and and different people are spotting them as they're coming out, and it's like, mainly celebrities. Uh, the music video, actually, if you can go to YouTube, you can look at the music video, and the music video has like Iman, Jane Curtin, uh, Dougie Fresh is in it, Christopher Reeve is in it. Uh, Rick Moranis, uh, the Ramones, and Donald Trump is wow. in the video too. What was that? What was that I'm looking for? Uh, uh, on our own music on video. Our own. On our own. Can you speak into the thing? Like, we're looking for the on our own music video no, right now. As we're talking, I don't, I don't have a. This is a smart TV. I yeah, don't but, have but I'll give you some more facts about the uh, soundtrack. So Bobby Brown also worked on another song on the soundtrack called "We're Back." It's pretty cool. It's like it's not as good. You see, you hear it a little bit in the end credits, like we're back, we're back, back to fight the evil. We will never receive you. That's Bobby Brown song. <clears throat> and other songs on the soundtrack, uh, "Flip City," which you heard during the monster montage, while the uh, ghosts were coming out on our own, on on our own. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought the thing hit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. AJ can't spell. So, yeah, I can't spell. On our own. Our space. I, I, I know. I have to get space. <laughs> space. Our. How about on my own? Oh, our. That, no, no. It's our. Is, is it on? But it's on our, my own. No, it's on our own. There you go. Bobby Brown, first thing. See? On October 3rd, he asked me. That one. So, <laughs> just play the goddamn video. <laughs> so we're watching the uh, on our own music video right now. I don't now. know if That's this is actual music video. No, this, it is. Okay. See? Yeah, there you go. Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Bobby Brown. This is like the beginnings of... Too hot to handle, too cold to hold. They call the Ghostbusters in the in control. And throw a party for a bunch of children. Well, all the wild slimes under the building. So there's something in the grip, in the pit, in the pit. And the post so back, so back and they split. We're all about Vigo, the master of evil. Try to battle my boys. It's not legal, see? MCA Records. Yep. Everybody's just and too just, happy to and have green screen. just a dancer. And some, some random dancer and Bobby Brown on different services. Random, random billboards, random green screen, blue screen everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what else you got? Okay, so like, you'll see a lot of the celebrities as they uh, come in. Okay. Yeah. All right, so uh, in addition to that, we had, uh, like I said, Flip City by Glenn Fry during the uh, Monster Montage. So you hear Rick Moranis there. Uh, Spirit by booth. yeah, uh, Spirit uh, by Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh Group, which you also hear Dougie Fresh and also hear in the credits. Uh, Love is a Cannibal by Elton John. Uh, Danny Elfman actually did a song called Flesh and Blood. Uh, I don't think they really used it in the movie. And like I said, Danny uh, uh, Randy uh, Trump, yeah, uh, Randy Eidemann is responsible for the film score this time, uh, which I think is pretty good. Uh, like I said, Dennis Murray took over the visual effects. Uh, Oh, and Christopher Reeve. Yeah, Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve, see? Yeah, so they, yeah, they employed uh, ILM to do, basically give them a rough outline. Of, uh, they gave out, uh, ILM a rough outline of the plot, and they basically gave them the freedom to do whatever they wanted. So that's why you see so many of the ghosts and shit. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like freaking, despite the rush schedule, Dennis Marin actually worked uh, wanted to work on the film because he wanted to design new creatures, which hmm. is why you see all the yeah. more animated versions of the ghosts throughout the movie and stuff. Which is alright, but I wasn't. I like I said, I wasn't a bigger fan. I, I thought I thought it was more scary and a little better on the first one, but yeah. it's fine. I get yeah. it. In addition to uh, Ghostbusters two, Ireland actually worked on uh, Back to the Future uh, two, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and the Abyss. But apparently, the one that had the most difficulty was Ghostbusters two. Yeah, yeah. Look at that, <laughs> Iman coming out of a limo. Mm-hmm. She still looks the same. She's like, it's like she's like what 60, 70 years old. She looks Something exactly like the same. Crazy, yeah. The Ramones, yeah. <laughs> it was weird. It's such a weird addition. So yeah, uh, at the time in the late eighties, uh, you know, film sequels were kind of you know rare and new, and and actually the whole concept of a media franchise started really started gaining traction after the first Star Wars trilogy. Everybody yeah. wanted to get on the um, uh, media franchise background. So apparently in eighty nine, they released more sequels in that one year than any other previous film year in history. And that included Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Karate Kid Part 3, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, which is horrible, um, <laughs> Lethal Weapon 2. But then also at the same time, they released a lot of uh, movies that will become classics like Uncle Buck, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, also starring Rick Moranis, uh, with Harry Met Sally and the Dead Poets Society. All came out around the same year. Now, as far as uh, they actually expected Ghostbusters 2 to have you know a $150 million run, uh, and it, that was the projected uh, thing in terms of box office. Uh, they also projected two hundred twenty-five million for Indiana Jones, one hundred seventy-five million for Batman, and one hundred million for Lethal Weapon Two. Now, Lethal Weapon, uh, excuse me, 
Ghostbusters 2 was actually supposed to be released in July of 89. Um, but that was actually less than, uh, but actually less than uh, three months before the release date, they found that uh, they tried to move it to June because of the fact they didn't want direct competition with Batman, mm. which they did have. Uh, that's really the main reason I sunk this movie is because of the fact it released against Batman. <laughs> it, released, it released against Batman. Yeah, and funny enough, the weekend it came out, uh, it had the highest grossing uh, weekend opening weekend of the of any movie of all time, and then that got broke the next week by Batman. Yeah. So apparently the uh, Ghostbusters 2 premiere was in June 15, 1989 at Groman's Chinese Theater. The after party actually required payment to attend the uh, Hollywood Palladium and the actual fees of it went to St. John's Health Center. Uh, so it, like I said, it released June 16, 1989 to 2,000 theaters compared to the original which only had 1,000 theaters. Um, also, uh, the opening weekend of the original movie was $13 million. Opening of Ghostbusters 2 was $29.5 million. And like I said, it was the number one film of the weekend, just ahead of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which was actually in its fourth week of release, and Dead Poor Society. Hmm. Uh, based, on the av- based on the gross and the average income of the ticket uh, of a 20, like, ticket of a 22% since uh, Ghostbusters release, it was an estimated 200 more people went to go see this film's opening uh, weekend. It broke the all-time box office record for a one-day opening with approximately $10 million on this opening Friday. It was the biggest now-weekend opening of all time. It was uh, $29 million and beat out, like I said, narrowly beat out Indiana Jones for that $29 million. Apparently, apparently it is set that apparently that whole thing was set three times this hmm. one year. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade set it first, then Ghostbusters broke it, then Batman broke it. All in the same year. So, uh, what was their total take again? Total take for the first weekend was twenty nine point five. No, for the yeah, for the run. For the run, I'm, I'm gonna get to that. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry, just, I skipped ahead. Yeah, I got you. Good. So apparently, the uh, big, the big problem is because Batman came out, Ghostbusters took a fifty three percent drop from the previous weekend, and just kind of went on yeah. from there. Uh, so, uh, the weekend gross saw, ba- uh, it, like I said, it contributed in, um, I think it's the overall, that whole weekend with all the movies that came in, uh, for, including Ghostbusters 2, took in $92 million in all fields across the country. Uh, after gaining the first, after the, uh, after gaining the first weekend or whatever, like, the number one for the first weekend, it never regained that fourth spot, that first spot after, the, uh, whatever. Uh, it fell to like number four in the third week, and then uh, it fell even further when the uh, Lethal Weapon two and Weekend and Burnings came out. Yeah, yeah, it just kept it was a good falling. year for movies. Yeah, in total, it grossed one hundred and twelve million dollars in North America, which is actually less than half of the original movie. But it did make it the seventh highest grossing movie of the year after, in this order, uh, and this is going from uh, least to most. Back to the Future Part Two, Lethal Weapon Two. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Luke Who's Talking, and the number one movie that year, of course, Batman. Well, so, going back to what we were talking about before with them pulling in uh, 10% apiece. Yeah. They probably walked away with about $5.5 5 each. Possibly. Just on the box office. Because, I mean, the other thing, too, is when you set up those gross, gross profit participations, yeah. you get home video, you get VOD, so still getting paid off that today. Yeah. So apparently, its overseas take was significantly more than uh, the original. Actually, uh, it actually took in a hundred and two million dollars overseas, which actually nearly doubled the original's overseas oh, take. Wow. 
Well, so if they got 102 overseas, so then between the two of them, they're probably bringing home 10 million apiece just yeah. at the box office. Yeah, so the total box office gross for Ghostbusters 2 was $215.4 million. This figure actually made it the high, eighth highest grossing film of 1989 worldwide, falling $67 million short of the original Ghostbusters movie. And uh, ever since then, this movie's basically been labeled as the movie that killed the franchise because it made more less money than it made less money with a bigger budget than Ghostbusters, and because of the filming experience and all the uh, reception, uh, and also uh, the 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 resulting uh, the resulting reception of it actually dissuaded Bill Murray for years and years and years from doing a third movie. Yeah. Uh, and personally, like I said, though some modern critics do continue to criticize that as a bad movie or inferior to the the predecessor. Others argue that it suffers from being compared to Ghostbusters and actually above average. I think, I still think the original is the best. Yes. But it's not, Ghostbusters 2 isn't a bad film. No, it's not. And then like, you see even, the other, Even yeah. the little critiques I threw out here and there, yeah. they don't, they don't rise to the level of ruining the film. And then compared to the 2016 Ghostbusters, it's a fucking yeah. masterpiece. <laughs> Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2 is a fucking masterpiece compared to this. Well, look, I'm really excited to see what Ivan does. With Me it. too. Yeah, and then I the, think Ivan Ratman's going to do something great. Jason Ratman. Or Jason, I mean, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about his dad who did these two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, actually, uh, in 2009, Den of Geek, I believe his website, listed this movie as the 18th best box uh, blockbuster sequel of all time. <laughs> Ghost yeah, so it's a great sequel. Yeah, exactly. And one thing that uh, differentiated this movie, especially in the aftermath, merchandise. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, because of the fact, you know, like I said, in the interim between this movie and the first movie, they created the real Ghostbusters cartoon, which was a hit on ABC. I watched it religiously. And as a result, they had all these different tie-in toys, like water guns, colored slime, um, coloring books, comic books, kids' meals, action figures. Ghostbusters action figures were actually the fifth most in-demand toy of 1989. Uh, they also had like a little noise noisemaker toy called the Ghost Blaster that was sold at Hardee's as part of their little meal. Well, apparently, they had to recall it because apparently the kids were like ingesting the small batteries that were for it. <laughs> so weird. That's about right. Also, video games came out for Ghostbusters. Uh, Ghostbusters 2 uh, had a video game in 89 and... Uh, Another one in 90, uh, published by Activision, and another one uh, published by Nintendo. And then they had another one for the Game Boy. And the merchant, also other merchandise they had was they had like the Ecto A1, 1A or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, most recently, the 2019 Halloween, uh, Halloween Horror Nights at uh, Universal Studios, and both Hollywood and Florida had a Ghostbusters themed maze. And they included ghosts and characters and situations from. Ghostbusters 2, including the Scolari Brothers. <laughs> That's awesome. The Scolari Brothers live on. That's right. But like I said, uh, in comparison to the first movie, yeah, it's not as great because of fact, it, it, like, if you watch the movie, it's pretty much beat for beat the, I mean, the original movie again. However, I will say, uh, just remembering this uh, movie as a kid, especially because like, this movie came on more on TV than the original did because it's fresher, it's newer, whatever. But like I love this movie, I still love this movie. Like every well, look, time I hear that Bobby Brown song, I get excited. I was gonna say, let's be fair for a second. Yeah. When has a sequel ever surpassed, let alone equaled, the original? Dark Knight. You think Dark Knight surpassed? Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. Batman yeah, Dark, Begins. Dark Knight. Yeah. That Batman was, Begins. That, that one prop. Yeah, that one would be. Surpassed. Or uh, Empire Strikes Back. 
So Empire Strikes Back, and yeah. then the one I was gonna say as far as equals, Godfather Part Two. I think Godfather Two is better. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. At least yeah. equals. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like as a minimum. Yeah. So out of how many millions of movies made, we can only list three. So I think to be fair, to be really fair to this, because it's a killer film, it's an, it's unrealistic to expect that your sequel to surpass the original. Well, got a couple instances here. Captain America Winter Soldier is way better than Captain America First Avenger. Um, Avengers Endgame and Infinity War are way better than the original Avengers. Uh, I'm trying to think. Those are the main ones that top up, pop up my head. Okay, it's so then if I give it to you without going without going superhero route, without going superhero route. But my my point, my the point still stands. It's a rarity for a sequel to surpass, let alone equal the original. Usually, it just comes short. I mean, we could talk about the Indiana Jones franchise, which was, did a really was, good job. I was just about to say that the only one that equals the original in terms of the sequels is Last Crusade. Exactly, and so that, and that's again, that's my whole point. It's like we can get yeah. close at a certain point, yeah, but we don't really surpass. True. And so, looking at this in that light, you have to be honest with it. It's like this is actually it's a solid, a solid sequel. The real, the way you really need to look at it and measure sequels is if it's a total disaster. Yeah. Right. If it's a total disaster, that's a whole nother conversation. Anchorman, Anchorman two. Exactly. Like Anchorman was killer. Anchorman two, I'm like, Trash. what the hell am I watching? Here? Trash, bro. Like there was a, there was like maybe I could pick out a couple moments. The whole thing when like. He creates the whole, we're going to follow a, a police chase during Sweeps Week. That was kind of funny. Kind of. But like, as a whole, yeah. I mean, so that's usually where the sequel goes. So, again, being mm-hmm. fair to this one, looking at this one, I, I think it's solid. And anybody who disagrees, I, I, I think they got an axe to grind because it doesn't make sense to me. It's a I agree. Film. I totally agree, too. I totally agree with that. Like I said, I, I've always been an advocate for Ghostbusters, too. I've always said, like, freaking, it's much better than people give it credit for. Yep. Much better. So, like and again, I would, I would say it to the day I die. It's damn show better than that 2016 shit. <laughs> I, yes, like, I don't know if I'll ever get over that shit. I wouldn't go see that shit. I was so goddamn mad. Well, it's because you came in with an expectation. You're so excited and you got screwed. Yeah, you should have never been called Ghostbusters. <laughs> yep. It's like that Robocop. It's yeah. Like, there's a Robocop reboot. Like, freaking like It was a decent, decent movie. Just suffer, from the fact, just, just suffer from the fact that it was called Robocop. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right, so we hope you folks have really enjoyed this episode of uh, Ghost, uh, Ghostbusters 2, more or less, uh, watch along here. We really hope you enjoyed dropping that culture this week. Uh, we're going to sit here and uh, mull over what we're going to do next week. But until then, this has been Dropping That Culture again with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm AJ. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Later. Dropping That Culture. Dropping That Culture. Dropping That Culture. Driving that coach. 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 Driving that coach.